When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to Buckeye Talk. It is the big Wednesday edition. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Doug Lay Maurice and Stephen Means. And we've got another draft on tap today, and I think it's going to be a pretty fun one. I've been looking forward to this for a couple days. I think you guys have too. I think this is going to be interesting. If you're a tech subscriber, 614-350-3315, you got a text from me on Tuesday morning explaining what we're doing today. Uh, You've all seen this sort of thing before where there is, I see a lot with basketball, right? Where they'll say, who's your all-time top five? And you have to pick a player from each category or you have a certain number of points to spend to put together a lineup. And we've done the same thing here with football. We're not going to do 11 on 11 or even a full 11 man team. We're kind of looking at this as you're picking a squad of eight guys. You've got 24 points to spend and you're putting together a team to go play in the parking lot, more or less four on offense, four on defense. And we came up with the points by looking at their recruiting rankings from when they were coming out of high school, the consensus rankings on the 24 seven site. So guys, have you been looking forward to this for a couple of days? I, I like when we get to go head to head. Oh, and, and the wrinkle here is we're drafting. So it's not just like you're, you're assembling a team. We're going to talk about that too, who are like optimal eight guys would be, but here we're going to draft. So things like value and taking the guy, the next guy might take is going to come into play. I think if we do this right, someone might quit or we're going to have to put the explicit label on this pod. If we do this right, I, I've been looking forward to this. I think this could be fun. I came close to it last time we drafted. I just, was smart enough to replace a certain word with shoot. Yeah, this is, we might have to have like an adult version, like a, with this, like, this is like the red label version of Buckeye talk when it's like, <laughs> Oh, I have 22 points left and I still need two points. So yeah. And, and, and to be clear, like it's the, the idea of this was like to sort of, it's like a recruiting draft. It's like, these are the guys in the rosters that we divided it up as recruits and how they were rated, but it's not exactly, it's not like five-star, four-star, three-star necessarily. Nathan, right. you, you divided it up in an interesting way because there are sort of one-star guys for our point system that aren't one-star recruits because one-star recruits do not exist at Ohio State. Right, and I'll explain that in a second. We've been looking for a way to kind of talk about the recruiting rankings in reverse or like deconstructing them a little bit. And we've thrown out an idea of like, and we may do this again at some point, like you go back through the roster and say, 
well, what star are they now? Like, who cares what, like, don't even look at what star they were in, in high school. What star would you put on their football careers now? And how does that compare to what they were as recruits? As just a way to kind of look at what recruiting rankings are and were and what they mean and how things play out for guys. And this is sort of along those same lines. It's, you're going to see what I mean here as we go through it. So I'll just explain it. So basically everybody breaks down into five categories. You have, it's one point through five points. The five-star prospects get five points. If you were a five-star in the consensus, that's a five-point player. Four-point players and anybody else who is in the top 100. Three-point players is anyone else who is in the top 200. So you're still talking about all four-star players still at that level. Two-star players is still all of the other four-star players who weren't in the top 200. You get down pretty far into the, the, the rankings, and you're still a four-star player. And then one-point players is everybody else. So and really at Ohio State, that just means – three-star players. There's a handful every year. And those five categories actually balance out pretty evenly. And that I thought alone was interesting to see if you break it down like that, you got five fairly even categories of players, not necessarily even in talent, but even in numbers. Oh no. I mean, it's not even in talent. This is a thing that we get into in recruiting. It's like people love to bring up the exceptions of the five stars who didn't make it. And the, you know, the three stars who became all Americans, but guess what? Like, you know, the, t- the number one category on this list, the five-star players who are five-star recruits, there's a lot of good players there. There are more good players in that group than there are in the other categories. So, like, yes, recruiting rankings often do translate into performance. It's not a one-to-one ratio. But, man, you got a lot of good players at the top who are expensive in this draft. If you look at the five-star list and you look at the, three, the other guy, the three-star list, if you basically just flip – two players, then they're exactly correct, literally. So yeah, to that point, yes, if a guy's really has a five-star, he's probably pretty good. Yeah, I guess we should probably – should we just really quickly run down who is on which list so people can maybe follow along better I and mean, not have to it's, just guess at it? It's a list of – it's like 80 players, right? Yeah, that's a yeah. tedious list. So, so um, Maybe we shouldn't read the whole thing. I did send it out to the texters. So you, if, you, if you're a text subscriber, you did get this this morning because I asked texters for their eight-man 24-point team. And we're going to get to some of those in the third segment. We're going to see maybe who was kind of picked the most often on those teams and, and read off some of the more interesting teams and why people came up with that. But so we're going to get into the draft and we're going to base the, the order that we pick in on how the voting ended up on the last draft we did, which was the uh, 2000s draft, the, the skill position 2000s draft. Doug, do you have that? Like who, who did the texters vote? as being the having done the best job of picking that team. Do I have it? Why do I have to read it? You were I, the one I, who did the poll. No, I know. But as I said, I believe, uh, I believe that this, well, I, I think we may need an investigation into the, uh, the polling system. The, my pillow guy has been invited on the podcast uh, to question whether this actually was correctly done. Um, so I don't know if we can trust the poll results, mm. um, but I will, I will pull them up. I can't find them because oh, here they are. Because I, I didn't realize that I was, uh, I was gonna be. I'm not really. I'm like, I'm not locked in. I'm, I'm not really working uh, this week. So my head's kind of everywhere. You're working. You're just doing a different type well, of work. That's true. I that is. That it's is not like you're just laying around in bed all day. That is correct. I am writing sixty thousand words in, uh, in seven days. So okay, here is uh, uh, the results of this. Okay. 
This is exciting. Who won? Frickin' A! Uh, all right, Nathan won. I'm good. Nathan won with Team Nathan with Justin Fields, Troy Smith, J.K. Dobbins, Carlos Hyde, Chris Olave, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and Anthony Gonzalez. 1.61 rating in the ranking. Team Steven second. Dwayne Haskins, Terrell Pryor, Maurice Claret, Trey Sermon, Garrett Wilson, Michael Thomas, Chris Gamble, Devin Smith. 2.16, just edging me out. 2.22 for Braxton Miller, Cardale Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Beanie Wells, Ted Ginn Jr., Michael Jenkins, Santonio Holmes, and Paris Campbell. Um, so, Nathan, you won. Congratulations. Well, thank you. And, and what we had decided was whoever had won that vote gets to decide because there is some strategy here. Do you want to pick first overall or do you want to get, you know, two of the top five or two of the top four if you're picking in that third spot? I think the strategy here is too simple, though. I'm going to take the first pick. All right. Surprise, surprise. Steven, what are you taking? Steven, are you taking, taking two or taking three? I'm taking two. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that worked out pretty easy. I'm coming right. for you guys, by the way. Just so you know. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this gets us right into the, the crux of the, the concept that we're doing here. With the first overall pick, I'm going to take one-point superstar Chris Olave. Surprise, surprise. Who honestly like almost throws the whole thing off. He does. It's, it, it is almost too unfair to get if to you, take a, a potential All-American first-round caliber receiver and only spend one point on him. Oh, I should mention that. Did I say this? That it's, we're picking eight spots. It's a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver slash tight end, and an offensive lineman on the offensive side. And on the defensive side, it's a defensive lineman, a linebacker, a defensive back, and then a wild card spot for defense just to even it out four and four. Um, you, you are not required to pick somebody from every point category. You just have to spend your 24 points in the, the best way possible. And at the end of this, we're going to have another vote among the texters of, like I said, think of this as like these guys are just going out on a parking lot or out on a, a, an empty patch of grass and, and playing a game against these other two teams who would come out on top. So, I, I, I mean, there's nobody else to even consider it, number one, right, if you're in a draft like this. He's the only superstar in the one-point category. So, I mean, it is – I think – what are you saying the texters when, when Nathan sent out the list and they were starting to comment and they were like, there is an obvious number one pick that if he is not the number one pick, I'm canceling my tech subscription, right? That's I mean, exactly what they said. It's every also single the, person would pick Chris Olave. This was also where the joke of like, is Steven, if Steve, you should give Steven the number one pick just to see how, how much he loves Garrett Wilson in this moment. Well, I'm, not that that, I'm not that stupid, though. I didn't know I had won the texture voting and I thought maybe you had, and I thought there was an, there was, we were going to have to have that discussion a little bit. I think <laughs> no. if you would, if you would pick your Wilson there, we would have then stepped in and, and it would have been the last time you were ever allowed to write or talk about Garrett Wilson because yeah. things would have just gone too far at that. Point. I would have teased it for the sake of dramatic flair, but no, this <laughs> is just two. Come on. Now he's worth one point. Garrett's worth five. And, and it is so skewed because Olave is not only the only superstar in that one group, he's the only one who's actually like assured of having a starting job to start next year in the one point category. It's like, that's how, that's how right they got Chris Olave. I mean, you can, and, and I don't know how often Doug, you'd have a better perspective over like decades of Ohio state football or a couple decades, but like they always have three star guys on the roster and they always have three star guys that are contributing, but to hit it this hard is rare, right? I mean, well, no, nah, actually, no, I mean, I wouldn't, it's not common, but I wouldn't say rare. I mean that they actually, you know, AJ Hawk 
was like a real was like a three star guy who had to mm-hmm. fight for a spot at the end and became an all American and a first round draft pick. You know the story of Troy Smith. Troy, in the end, depending what like what ranking you know you look at, might have crept up you know, borderline four star, but he was an athlete without a position. Troy was kind of a late guy. You know, like uh, Pat Elfline was like the 998th player in the country and was a starter on a national championship team and won the Remington award as the best center in the country. You know, that there, there actually is a decent history. Darren Lee was the like number 636 player in the country. Quarterback in high school. Darren Lee's a chapter, by the way. Uh, So like that, that is, I mean like that kind of stuff. That's kind of the point that a lot of times when they do hit on guys like this. And again, I just wrote all this. So I, I, I have this in my head. Most of the time when they hit on a guy like Chris Olave, it's an Ohio guy because it is a low-ranked guy that they take late because of local connections. They know the high school coach. They know the program. The kid camps three or, no, two or three times, gets a late offer. They have not had a ton of these lower-ranked guys in recent years nationally who then have come in and done something. In the, in the urban era, other than Olave, the guys who stand out as like three-star guys that really popped were who were national guys were Damon Arnett, who was a three-star guy from Florida, and Brandon Bowen, who was a three-star guy from Utah. Almost everybody else who really popped as a three-star guy, as a lower-rated guy, was an Ohio kid. So, so from that standpoint, it's kind of what they do. They did it a little more under Tress, but that Chris Olave is from California – and did this as a lower-rated guy. That is what makes it more unusual. Part of that is probably because with these national guys who are maybe lower-rated, they eventually do rise. So, with I mean, if Chris Olave would have played – he didn't play football his junior year because he transferred high schools. Had he played, his trajectory maybe would have been similar to what Jackson Smith-Najigba's was, where he was a, a borderline four-star kid who ended up being a five-star recruit. And Javion Henderson, when he got offered 231, ends up being the number one running back in the country – you know, J-Mo falls under that same it, – it, we're seeing it now in this 2022 class with a kid from Arizona, Kion Grace, who might end up rising up to be a top 50 recruit by the time it's all said and done, which is part of why they're, they're Ohio guys. One, yes, because everything Doug just named, they go to camps multiple But also, when you're a national guy, the rest of the world kind of finds out about you. While Ohio State, can, when you're an Ohio guy, the world doesn't technically have to find out about you because you're already at the, in a school's backyard. We could probably talk about that all day, but we need to keep moving along. So, Stephen, you have the number two pick. You're yeah. spending your 24 points. Where are you going with your first pick in this draft? Now, I, now I'm, I am fascinated. I am fascinated to see where Stephen Means goes here because I think there is another guy who stands out, is. not to the Olave level, but close. But I'm curious if Stephen goes that way. Correct. And his name is Thayer Munford, and he's worth two points. And you're taking him? I'm taking him. That's, that's high. I mean, four-year starter at that value, you got to take that. Yeah, I, thought, I, I think he's the obvious choice at number two, actually, um, to get a player uh, who is, like you're saying, anytime you're getting a starter at that low, but not just a starter. I mean, a guy who was ranked one of the, you know, graded one of the best at his position in the country last year. Thayer Munford was a four-star, but the number 285 recruit in the country um, in the class of 2017 out of Maslin. So, Doug, was that who you would have taken number two? Probably. I, I, am, I was possibly in the process of talking myself into something else, but 
I, I think everything you guys are saying, it's obvious. In terms of value of great player low points, he's absolutely next behind Chris Olave. And he's more of what we were talking about before. He's not a one-point player, but a guy who was an in-state guy. His recruitment was a little bit strange because of some of the things he had that went on during high school and catching up academically and some things like that. And it, it, sometimes you get fortunate to, to stay on a guy and work on both sides, and he ends up at Ohio State. I've been trying to work on a, a bigger feature piece about Munford, and, and, the, and that changed a little bit. I was doing it during the playoff, actually, and decided it was too good of a story to rush through then, and then he decides to come back, and that kind of adds another layer to it. So hopefully I'll, I'll get yeah. to that pretty soon. But, um, and then Paris Johnson scoops you. Yeah, well, <laughs> they, it, it's easier for uh, Paris Johnson to set up an interview with Thayer Munford than uh, having to go through the gatekeepers that I do. So You mean he uh, just hits up the group chat and goes, hey, you want to talk to me for 15 minutes and I can so, just start a recorder on? Or just, Paris, yeah, as they're walking out of the woody, yeah. they just have talk two minutes at a time every day. For people who have no idea what you two are talking about right now, Paris Johnson is a journalism major at Ohio mm -hmm. State and wrote a story for The Lantern about Thayer Munford and coming back to Ohio State, and it was – Quite well done for a college journalist. So congratulations to Paris Johnson. I always find it very reassuring when it's like, oh, oh, you're you're six six and you're super strong and super fast and super quick, and you can also write. Like really, like this is all we got. This is all we got, man. I got nothing else. And it's like, oh, Paris Johnson, you can knock over defensive linemen, and also now you're coming in my zone, like in my lane. Paris, can I have the shoulder? Can I have the little frontage road of life off to the side while you race down the highway as a future first-round NFL pick? Come on, man. Don't let everybody know that, that, that this is – anybody can do this. So thank you, Paris. Thank you for having your own skills and also our skills as well. So just great. Kudos to the Lantern, though, for – capitalize on that we did i did something like that in college too not me like, but we there was a guy on the basketball team who was a journalism major so we had him do stuff like this it was kind of players tribune style writing but yeah shout out to you paris johnson for coming to steal our jobs after you make millions of dollars doing yours yeah doug well paris paris johnson and his writing skills are still on the board you have two picks now back to back here at the end of the first stars. round start of the second you get to pick the first two players on your team Okay, so I'm, I'm going to go opposite strategy here. Because part of uh, – this draft is actually a lot of just, like, drafting strategy. It's not necessarily, um, you know, that much um, – Move off? Well, I mean, it's just – it's not – I don't know that it's great football analysis. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, Chris Olave yeah. is a, is a low-rated recruit who became a very good player. Oh, is that the point of the podcast? Who didn't know that? We know I, I that. Think could, I think it could get interesting later on. We'll have more to talk about maybe later yeah. on. When you have to make when you have to fit guys into narrower windows. Yeah. The problem is there were just two no-brainer guys, but I think yeah. those are kind of gone now, so we could actually have some fun. All right, I'm spending some money. I'm taking Garrett. Garrett Wilson. He's a five-pointer, but he's also Garrett Wilson. You're right. And so, like, we're going to the parking lot. Who's like, it's possible, honestly, it's possible Olave is the overall number one pick, right? I mean, even in the, if you're doing a parking lot draft with no recruiting stuff, Olave might be your number one pick. Or Garrett might be your number one pick. I think they're probably the two picks. So I'm going to spend – now, listen, we only have one receiver tight end spot. So that's a good spot. Like, it's sucking stuff up. But he's established. 
There's no doubt about him. We know how good he is. So I feel good about this. Um, I think it's the way I have to go at this point. And now I'm going to drop another bomb because I think this is the way I have to go. Given what's out there and how things fit together, I'm taking C.J. Stroud. I'm I'm spending four points at quarterback for the guy that everybody, every texter who's going to vote for this is going to think, most of them are going to think that C.J. Stroud is going to be the starting quarterback. So we have three quarterbacks out there. And one of the one other quarterback is actually higher number of points than CJ Stroud. So Stroud's the obvious quarterback you would take first, but I think for the positional value and for parking lot value, I'm taking Stroud. And I figured it would go like this. I figured A, I knew I lost the freaking vote. I figured A, I'd wind up with the third pick. I figured B, Olave and Munford would be the first two picks. And then I knew this would be my wraparound. It's expensive as all get out. I'm spending nine of my 24 points, but I think I'm getting good value with guys who are kind of a cut above at their position, even for how expensive they are. I think if I were picking where you were, those are the two guys I would take. I think Garrett Wilson is, if you look at that list of of five-star guys, with the exception of maybe one guy, he's the five-star who has produced at a five-star level the most you know what I'm saying like everybody else on that five-star list a lot of them are younger guys a lot of them are guys who have like flashed but they haven't delivered yet there's a couple guys on this who look like they're just not going to deliver on that five-star promise or at least one guy so I thought I think Garrett Wilson it's not that you have to pick somebody from every group but I think he's one of the five stars where it's like clear you get a five-point return for him and then I and Stroud is who I would he was first on my quarterback list for obvious reasons. He's the five-starriest. I mean, it's like it's one of those, okay, well, it's great to have a three-star, a one-point guy on our list turn into an All-American. You know what's also great? Have a five-star turn into an All-American. You know, yeah. like Garrett Wilson, we have talked about, about this over the years. I, I think we have a five-star podcast to do in the summer or in the off-season where we look at the whatever number of five stars Ohio State has pulled in, maybe in the modern recruiting era, maybe since 2000 or whatever, something like that. And and look at all of them. Yeah, They have done, they do a good job. They do. You can't go 100%. And we spend a lot of time talking about Tyreek Johnson. And it continues to drive me crazy a little bit. I saw another thing the other day about how Baron Browning actually might be in the mix to be the number one outside linebacker in this NFL draft. And I'm like, what did they do? Why was There's a part of me that every time I hear Micah Parsons, I think, why is Baron, why is Baron Browning not, that. not talked about like that? I think they had similar – skill sets right similar abilities that you know Parsons is a linebacker who might who has edge rushing skills just like Baron Browning but Parsons you know popped to the the, to the degree that he was an All-American but also he didn't play you know he opted out he didn't stay four years whatever Ohio State got a lot of good snaps out of Baron Browning but he didn't become an All-American which we all offseason thought he was going to be but Ohio State in general they do turn five-star recruits into at least three-star, four-star players, and often five-star players. But still, you don't want to take it for granted. Garrett Wilson, I think, had to be on this wraparound. So, Doug, you have spent nine of your 24 points on your first two picks. You'll have 15 pick, fifteen points left to use on six players, so an average of two and a half per player. So you're going to have to be the, the Doug that we know and, and love and, like, really, you know, making good analysis on who you pick with these next six. Steven, were you going to take Garrett Wilson? I was not, so I was happy to see he was still a first rounder. I still think he deserves that 
That you feel good for your guy. I do. I do. I'm happy for you, Garrett. Um, we'll talk later about it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No. Yeah. First round. Yeah, we'll technically we'll talk about it later, Garrett. I'll reach. I'll hit you up later. Um, See, you have 22 points left for seven spots. I do, and I was the CJ Stroud would hurt me because that's where I was going. That's man. That's a great pairing. That's a that that's worth the nine points you had to spend on it. So. I'm going to go with Je- the the next proven guy to throw the ball to is probably Jeremy Ruckert, even though he's a tight end. But he could be used as a wide receiver if you really want to do, want to do that, especially in a backyard setting. Worth four points. Um, so that's only six points my first two picks. I'm pretty happy with that. I thought about Ruckert instead of Wilson. And, and I think the – I think it makes sense to pair receiver and tight end here, Nathan, the way we did. But if we had them separate – Ruckert would be like I think Ru- I might have taken Ruckert. You know, he's the I mean, only like one he's, you can take. He's honestly. so good. Yeah, and I, I I I came up with four on four just because I didn't partially just because so this podcast wasn't four hours long, and also so that when I was sending this out to the texters, I didn't feel like I was giving them a two hour assignment. But I think also for our backyard thing, I think it fits well because I, he's an interesting player in that kind of capacity, and also now Stephen has paired. Ruckert with Thayer Munford, that's an interesting kind of hookup for what you want to do running the ball too. Not that that necessarily fits into the backyard style of play. I think we all think of more like drawing up routes for guys, but if you just wanted to run like power eye or whatever in the backyard in the, in the parking lot, then you've got a pretty good blocking group there so far. We've discussed it with my offensive staff. <laughs> Who is your offensive coordinator? Um, Kevin Wilson he is my offensive coordinator, but like Ryan Day, I will still be calling the plays. <laughs> nice of you to give out the title, though, for a coordinator. But yeah. it's, it's the Stephen Means offense. Yeah. So I've got two picks now, and things get a little bit interesting. Ugh. I, I Like I said before, I think there's one other five-star that I'm confident in, and I'm going to take him here, and it's Nicholas Petit Frere. I get it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he could be an All-American this year. And I don't, I don't think it'd be afraid. I can't be afraid of five stars. You got to get talent, right? And then you got to yeah. fill in right. with the points, but you got to get talent. The guy's great. He's a great well, player. And the good thing about Ohio State is that, again, at all of these lower levels, there's going to be someone good that's worthy of a pick. And along those lines, I'm going to go, I'm going to take, we have not had a defensive player taken yet, actually. We're one, two, three, four, five, six spots into this draft. No defensive players taken. I'm going to take the first defensive player, and it's going to be starting cornerback Seven Banks, a two-point player as one of the other four-stars. So a four-star who was ranked outside the top 200, Seven Banks is going to anchor my – he's going to take my DB spot That's a for good a mere pick. two points. He's, he's, he's good value there. And, again, uh, you know, there's just some – you know, there's some interesting guys in the secondary, but he's a sure thing, and he's a sure thing at low points. So that's a good pick. I like the cornerback pick. I think what gets interesting now is um, – I mean, I've taken a, a tackle. Nathan's got a tackle. I, I am interested to see where Doug goes with this because I think we're now at that point where with offensive linemen where there's some five-star starters. There's some – five stars that we think are just going to – who are going to live up to that and more. And there's also the fact that he also has already used nine of his points. So I am interested to see who is that other offensive lineman taking off the board, seeing who's already gone. 
Well, wait, seven, Banks, seven Banks was the number 221 overall player, and there's very little difference, I think, between that guy and whoever yeah. ranked like number 183, but just for so that you kind of look for those kind of players too in a, a situation like this. So, Stephen, you're up with your third round pick. You have 18 points left for six spots. So you have exactly, you're still on that three point average that we started with. I am going to go with a defensive end, and I'm going to go with Tyreek Tari- Smith. A four-point player. Yeah. Top 100 recruit who NFL scouts love, PFF loves, and I think might – he's had a full year of being healthy. He showed some things at the end of last season. I think he might be the best edge rusher on that team, given what the talent is, and might be end up being the best edge rusher in the Big Ten. There are a couple of five-star, five-point, however you want to say it, defensive ends on this team, but I think Tyreek Smith is the best value if you're looking for an edge rusher on this team. No, I think that's right. Cause Zach Harrison costs a point more. Yeah. So I think, I think this is a good pick here for sure. And it's either that, or you believe that much in Jack Sawyer. And I don't know if you can do that responsibly right now. And that's what right. makes this discussion interesting. And that's why I think that we decided we were talking before this, do you go, are we going by how good they're going to be in 2021? Are we going by how good they're going to be ever? And we kind of decided, well, this is more about just throwing them out on a parking lot right now because you get to just really bank more on what you think the guy's pure talent is more so than what's their role going to be. How are they going to be used? Are they, are they going to be a freshman who's really talented, but maybe doesn't have the savvy and the refined skill of a senior and doesn't give me snaps. Like all that gets thrown out the window. This is just, who's, who's a baller. Man, I, I'm dedicated. I'm missing some pods this week. Cause I'm finishing this other thing. I just want everyone to know this is how important this pod is to me. I just missed a call from Eddie George who I've been trying to get on the phone for like three weeks. So I will, I will call him back. Yeah. Uh, he's the last guy I got to get for this freaking thing. So I was his name just popped up, but 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 the pod comes first. Well, it doesn't today. Today the pod comes first. Um, Eddie George is not available, but you have oh. 15 points to use on any of the <laughs> yeah. positions remaining on your board, including running back. So, well, let me say, I think there of the, all the players in the one and two point range who are left, I think there's one established player left, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm not surprised, but I was hoping he would get back to me. Uh, given the way my team has unfolded so far, and that's Master Teague as a yep. two-point player, and I'm going to take him, and I think that's very good value as I build out this offense uh, for a two-point guy. He's He was – for a two-point guy, again, part of our issue is like, well, we think, well, they haven't got enough five-star recruits at running back the last couple of years. For where Master Teague was ranked as a recruit, whatever it was, low 200s, high 300s, whatever that was, Nathan, he's been a productive player for them. He has been a, a – a, a productive, helpful player. He just wound up maybe having more put on him because of what happened or didn't happen with recruiting around him, right? But man, I mean, this guy's this guy is a solid Big Ten running back. Yeah, absolutely. And when I put together my optimal team, when we were just picking eight players and using our 24 points, regardless of this draft, he was my running back. Like, I feel like you just get so much value for what you spend to get him as they did in recruiting, right? You get, you, you got a pretty good productive guy. I think they've gotten more than they expected. Not that he was a a three-star guy. He was still a four-star guy and, and a, a guy who had some, whatever, acclaim when he came in, but, but what he's done his first two years has been people sometimes focus a little bit too much on the lack of ceiling without 
without maybe acknowledging how high the floor has been with what he's given them for the past two years. And from a backyard standpoint, I think, I mean, you've got, you've got, yeah, good luck. One, good luck tackling him. Two, I think with CJ Stroud and Garrett Wilson, he's a solid compliment because those are clearly the, the pass is going to be your weapon. Yeah. yeah, Doug, you'd really have to really blow this next five picks, I think, to uh, – you're not going to finish third, I think. I mean, that's a really strong start. Yeah. Getting Stroud and Wilson and Teague, I, that's pretty strong. We'll let the texters decide, but that, that's a pretty strong start to me. All right, so here – this is – I'm going now with – I think this is the only other – make sure I think this. I think he's the only other one-point guy that might – start this year and I don't know that this is a pick that's going to be very sexy for the texters but I think by the time I get to the end and I'm trying to piece my last things together I think he'll fill in nicely I think that you got to respect I think how things might fit together I'm taking Craig Young at linebacker when we did you know, you look at and say, hey, who was running with the second team in warmups last year? And they're losing all three linebackers. And we've talked a lot about Gant and Pope and Mitchell as that group of linebackers who might all slide in. But, you know, Nathan and Steve, we've also talked about like, hey, well, it seemed at times like Craig Young was maybe a little ahead of Kayvon Pope, the way they lined up at stuff. And he's a one-point guy. So as a one-point guy, that other group, I think that's good value at a time when there's no sure thing at linebacker. So if I can get a guy who's absolutely in the mix to start at linebacker in the fall for one point, I'll take him. No, I think it's a great pick. Uh, do you think it says something? I mean, we're 10 picks into this draft. Only three of them have been on defense. And some of it, again, it's all based on points and you're looking for values and stuff like that. But I, I would think that in the average Ohio State year, like when, 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 when you had Chase Young and Jeff Okuda both on the same team, they both would have been five-point players. They would have been gone way earlier than this just because of their impact. You think this still is a way – you can look at how this is playing out and say that it still reflects a little bit either the talent that is that we know is on this defensive side of the ball relative to offense and where there still might be shortcomings, or it's just a matter of maybe there's that defensive talent is there just hasn't shown itself yet. I think it's an interest. I think it's a strange time a little bit for the defense. All the linebackers haven't played much. Mm -hmm. The secondary is there's no superstar. There's no sure thing superstar. Seven banks is the best of them, but no sure thing superstar. And as good as some of there's a lot of defensive line talent coming back, but as you said, there's not a chase young. It's an interesting time for the defense for a defense that wasn't it's, it's hard because it's a defense that wasn't spectacular last year, right? I mean, we know the ratings, probably the stats make it look worse than it was, but even while it wasn't spectacular, then they still lost some good players off of it. So it's like, okay, how good was it? And now also there's no Jonathan Cooper, Pete Werner, Baron Browning, Sean, like, you know, so you really add to the sort of, you don't know factor of it. And in a draft like this, you're just not going to wind up with defense very high because the offense is much more known. All right, Stephen, it's going to be your pick, but we're going to take a quick break and come back with the end of round four and the rest of this draft here on Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk. Just to recap here on this draft that we're doing, everybody had 24 points to spend to pick eight guys based, and the points are based on where they were in, as recruits coming out of high school. I took Chris Olave with the first overall pick, a one-point guy. I also have five-point Nicholas Petit-Frere and 2.7 banks. 
Steven has uh, Thayer Munford was his early pick with only two points. Also has Tyreek Smith and Jeremy Ruckert, four points apiece. Doug has CJ Stroud and Garrett Wilson, who were his first and second picks. And then Master Teague and Craig Young, costing a grand total of three points. I think those were two very uh, well-spent picks right there. Very efficient. So, Steven, it's going to be your first pick of the fourth round. You have two offensive players, one defensive player. Who you got? So he's worth two points, and I think he's he's going to be a starter too as long as he's fully healthy. And I think he losing him early in the season last year really hurt this defense a little bit. And it's Cam Brown as the other starting corner. Corner only worth two points, a great value there for for a guy who I think is going to be a starter and maybe solidify some things in that secondary that were missing the moment he got hurt against Penn State last year. And also that leaves me twelve points to have some fun after this. I can go five star hunting after that. You do still have 12 points for four spots. I think that is a pick that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now it's time to go hunting. I agree. There's some interesting guys in that range Mm -hmm. in the DBs, but I think Brown is the right pick. Mm -hmm. So we're getting into a spot of the draft where I feel like – so as we said before, it's 24 points for eight spots, so it averages out to three. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but it's that three-point group, the four stars who are in the top 200 but outside of the top 100 – is maybe actually the weakest group of players. I don't know if you guys like took note of that as you were looking through it, but it's, it happens to be a lot of younger guys or a lot of older guys who haven't ever established a spot. It, I thought it was just a, an interesting balance. We There's have a- definitely talked about this on this podcast, that these are the kind of guys that I don't like them taking. That I, if I take five stars and top 200 guys, but I always, I think there's a, a, a case to be made like there's like guys in this range are sometimes better off taking sort of diamond in the rough kind of guys who are really lowly rated because they're misidentified because they're in between positions because they were hurt because they're from a small school who might have really big upside some of the guys that we ran through before rather than a lot of guys in this range often are they're they've been evaluated everybody's seen them Everybody knows what they are, and they just aren't quite as good as the guys rated ahead of them. So uh, this, this actually makes sense to me, and I think in the end, this is where – I think in the end – this is a podcast too. In the end, this is where Ohio State separates because so many other programs end up building their programs on these guys mm-hmm. who are good. They're good players, but they're not championship players. And Ohio State, when you get the five stars plus you dig for the diamonds, man, you don't wind up relying on many guys like this, and that's when it all comes together, which this draft is showing. But it does not surprise me that this is the group that's kind of is like the least attractive group in a situation like this. I bring this up because we're getting to the last pick of the fourth round of the three of us, and there's been two five-point guys taken, two, three four-point guys taken, one, two, three, four, two-point guys taken, two one-point guys taken, no three-point guys taken. None of them have been taken so far. And I'm also, I don't think, going to take one in this on my back-to-back picks here. I am going to take – there aren't that many guys left. I, I want to start spending more frugally, but there aren't that many guys left who I think have real All-American potential except for this guy. So I'm going to take Haskell Garrett, a four-point player, to be my defensive lineman which takes me 12 points for my last four spots. I think you could argue he should have gone sooner. I think you could, yes. 
It, for it, that was my in my head. I was it was either Tyree Smith or Haskell Gary. It was going to be one of those two, and I just went with the guy who plays on the end instead of on the interior. Yeah. No, I think it. I mean, he is a he's an all American. Yeah. I mean, he's he's an all American, and he's not in the top category. He's only four, only, but like very good value. So there's a couple positions that I still I still need quarterback, running back, linebacker, and this wild card defensive spot which we threw on just to kind of balance things out four on four. And it's going to be interesting to see what people decide there. Are you picking a certain position? Or are you picking just who the best player overall is available there? Uh, maybe we shouldn't overthink that too much. I need a quarterback. And my original thought was maybe I will just let Steven take the next quarterback. But I think I want to go get my guy because I think I like some of the values at some of these other spots later. I'm going to take – Kyle McCord as my quarterback. So I'm spending five points to get him, but by only having spent one point on Chris Olave, I'm essentially getting a quarterback and a receiver for a total of six points. I can live with that. I mean, it's just strategy there. The other quarterback that's left, Jack Miller is only two, right? right? So it's, it's, you're not just balancing McCord versus Miller. I think everybody listening to this, maybe based on how we talk about it, maybe we talk about it wrong, but would take McCord over Miller, but would you take McCord at five over Miller right. at two, which is the choice? It's, it's not an easy choice, but I decided I just, Kyle McCord's upside um, is intriguing to me. And um, I kind of wanted also just to sort of control my own destiny rather than letting, let, just taking Steven's leftovers there. I was going to take the guy that I wanted and that's what I did. So Steven, it is your pick. You also need a quarterback, a running back, a linebacker, and that wild card defensive spot. You have twelve points to spend. Travion Henderson, come on home. That that's a five star. That's I think worth the five star because I mean we've all talked about it. This guy might come out the gate the way J.K. Dobbins did and come in the spring and just like blow everybody away and win that job. And from day one, he's ready to roll. You've, we've seen the tape, the way he's the number one running back in the country. I think if you were going to gamble on any of these freshman five-point guys who haven't done anything at the college level, he's the one you do that with because he's got the easiest path to the field. And Texas yeah. are going to like it. Yeah, and only having – and now you know you can only, you're only going to have to spend two at quarterback. Right. So it lets you kind of budget the rest of your draft the way you Correct. want. And so I think that makes a lot of sense. So now I have a lot of, like, lower-cost running backs to pick from, and it would be interesting to see which one I pick. Doug, you are up for two picks. You still need – you've got 12 points for four spots, offensive line, defensive line, defensive back, and the wild card spot on defense. Okay. So – and this, again, draft strategy is not that interesting to talk about. The way things have worked out, I kind of have guys that I can wait on spots because you two already have your guy at a spot and whatever. So, like, I kind of know what my team is going to look like, and I'm pretty mm -hmm. happy about it. There's, there's one decision I sort of had to make to say, well, if I do this, then I have to do this. And I think I've made that decision. So I'm going to go with an expensive guy who I think the texters will like, who I think you guys maybe would still be interested in if you're willing to spend the money. I don't know that he's a sure thing, but he's an upside guy. And even though he's not a sure thing and he is going to cost me four points, I'm going to take Josh Proctor. And I'm going to play Josh Proctor. I'm going to put him on my wild card spot because I know who my DB is going to be. 
So I think with where we are and who's on this defense, I think he's worth four points for me at this point. Were you guys thinking about him at all? I was, and actually I was thinking about wild card spot because, I mean, he – in actual, in the way they use him sometimes, he actually is the wild card spot because he can play a multitude of positions. And it was basically there's a problem at two places and Josh Proctor's the answer to both of them. I had probably priced myself out of the Proctor conversation at this point. I have seven points left for three spots. So depending on who I took at those spots, I, I might have been able to make it work, but uh, he probably wasn't an option for me anymore. Okay, and then I'm going to take my other DB here, and it's a matter for me with – you guys have the DB spot, but the wildcard spot still open. I'm taking a two-point defensive back. That's what I have to do to sort of make my team work. And the choices are Legend Cavazos, Cam Martinez, and Ryan Watts, who are all, you know, going to be in the mix in whatever way uh, this year. So I'm going to take it. I think he's a little sexier. So I'm going to take Legend Cavazos as my corner for two points. It's a two-point name. It, or it's actually like a five-point name, but for a two-point value. That's a six-star name. Yeah, by, by, by literally name. just his name yeah. is what I mean. Yep. So I, 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 I like that I like that wraparound for me. So, Doug, you're still going to have six points left for your last two picks, and that's, that's good value. For, for using nine points on your first two picks, you've done a good job, I think, keeping yourself in the mix for decent players with these last two spots. Well, they're all decent players. You know what I'm saying? Getting, getting impact players, uh, still having some points to spend here for the, the, when we get to the final two rounds. Why, why was there a re, is there a reason from a, from a football standpoint that you like Cavazos there more than those other guys, or is it really just kind of the, the juice of it? I, I think Cam Martinez is still maybe coming off the position switch and um. You know, you're not 100% sure about that. I think it's Watson Cavazos, I think, is a coin flip, honestly. Mm-hmm. And if I thought I had the point to spare, and maybe he'll end up on a team, I would have spent three on Lathan Ransom instead. But I didn't have the point to spare with the way I want to do my final two picks. But I think that's probably better value overall if you can swing it, and I just couldn't swing it. And then it's almost a coin, co- a coin toss. I'm really curious to see how this defensive backfield works out this spring. Yeah. I, I'm waiting for a guy. I mean, let's show up. I mean, not that we show up. Let's have the first day of spring practice happen and have Ryan Watts lined up with the first team and be like, well, Doug was wrong, mm-hmm. right? Um, that absolutely I, – I love those. Mm-hmm. I love those again. I mean, I was – I was having that conversation again with Darren Lee of like, I love it. We show up, he's running with the first team, and you're like, well, okay, I guess that's that. And that is going – there's enough opportunity on this defense this spring that that is going to happen. There is going to be a guy who busted his butt in winter workouts, did something to catch his position coach's eye that in the great big mix of somebody's got to be out there the first time they go 11 on 11 with the first team defense. And you're going to think to yourself, man, now he, that guy is officially the guy to watch this spring. And I can't wait to see who it is, but it might be legend Cavazos. It very well might be. I had, I had talked to some people who really liked Ryan Watts and his long-term potential, just a guy we didn't see get on the field in the way that we did see a couple of, I mean, he did sparingly, um, we saw some other freshmen who got on the field more. So I am intrigued by him a lot going into the second year. Is, is there an opportunity there for him to break through? You're taking really only one guy out of that secondary and Sean Wade and, and everyone else is returning. So where is the opportunity? Some of these freshmen maybe 
did they make get the most out of this first year and are they able to jump some guys that they couldn't jump as they first came in as, as freshmen? I'm really intrigued to see that. Steven, you are up again. You have seven points left for three spots. Uh, you need a quarterback, but you're, you're locked into two points on him. Yeah, uh, so I really one left. points. And, right, so you basically have five points to spend on a linebacker and in your wild card defensive player. Which is why I think in this situation, we, we were just talking about the three-pointers. I think there are some three-point guys in here who might pop. And the first one is Lathan Ransom, who got thrown into a position that he shouldn't have had to be in. As, with no experience, he's playing in the biggest games of his, of his season without any of those, you know, gimme games that Ohio State would usually get. And he flashed in every single one of them. He had the big hit in the Big Ten Championship game. He forced that interception that Stephen Banks had against Clemson. And he had some moments against Alabama, even though Alabama was Alabama the entire game. But for the, he flashed, and I think that's a guy who's going to end up winning a job this spring. He fits that category of a freshman who didn't really have a role coming into this year, but he might come into the spring. And if we were to be at practice, we'd see him lined up as a starter in that bullet second safety spot. So there's Lathan Ransom. That's three points for me. And now I've got two left. I I understand that pick. Uh, I think it makes some sense just again, based on we're getting into a point where we're running out of guys other than maybe offensive linemen who we know are locked into starting spots or they're guys who are really expensive and we can't pick them anymore. Right. Yeah. None of us can take five-star guys. and Yeah. Yeah. I wish we had 30 points. So I've got two picks back-to-back here. I still need a linebacker, the wild-card defensive spot, and a running back. And I think I'm going to go – I was intrigued by what Steven was going to do there because I thought there was another pairing of a linebacker and a DB that I might like more. And I think that's what I'm just going to do here. So I'm going to take – Dallas Gantt as my linebacker. Like it. I think everyone kind of looks at him as the likely starter at Mike linebacker, a guy who's been, you know, paying his dues for three years to get to this point, but we don't know for sure exactly how that's going to look. And I'm another one of those really intriguing things, man, this whole, this whole defense this spring, other than maybe like Haskell Garrett and the two defensive ends that we think are probably the two best defensive ends. There's a lot out there that's really unsettled for this spring, and I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by it. And Seven Banks, I suppose, is, is probably locked in. So now that leaves me four points to spend at the wildcard defensive spot or running back. Oof. Four points total? Four points total for those yeah. two spots by my count. Ten, okay. Same with 20. me. Yeah. So I am going to – the question is, do I like a three-star – a three-point – defensive back or a defensive player enough to take them and settle for Mayan Williams settling, settling quotation marks. Cause he's only one point running back. Or do I want to take a two point or one point defensive player and leave myself some flexibility? I'm going to take for my two point spot. I'm going to take another linebacker. I'm going to take Kayvon Pope. Okay. I get it. I mean, Mitchell, like Taraja Mitchell is more points here than Pope is, right? I couldn't so, like, take Taraja take, Mitchell, yeah. Take, you can't take Mitchell. And I think, you know, he's in the mix. He's played a little bit. He's in the mix. People know who he is. I don't, you know, I don't know that he's an all-Big Ten kind of linebacker, but I think he could be a starting linebacker at Ohio State, which is a pretty good for that number of points. Yeah, and it, I, I, Mitchell was the guy that I like better than either Gant or Pope. Like, if, I, if points were not a – consideration that's who I would take and I guess there's a way I could have taken 
Mitchell and then left myself with less points for those other two spots. But um, I decided that I wanted the flexibility, getting both of those guys over just selling for one and maybe pigeonholing myself into the other two spots. So I'll have two points to spend on a running back, and I'll have three options for that. So, Steven, you're up. You have seven points left for a quarterback and a linebacker. And, again, you're spending two points on your quarterback, so you might as well draft a linebacker. Doug really threw this off when he got Craig Young because that's literally the only linebacker who's in the one-point spot. Doug is winning this by a mile. Wait till I, you see what I'm doing next. I think he's got. I think he's got a really good closing move here. This is really rough. Um, I don't like this pick, but I've got to give myself some wiggle room in order to go with a three-point guy later down the line. So I'm going to go with Marcus Hooker as my one-point wild card. We've well, only got you've only got two spots left, right? You have right. running back and linebacker. And you have to spend two points on your quarterback. No, I have a running yeah. back already. I already have a running back. I have Travion Henderson. Right. No, I said you, quarterback and linebacker. My quarterback you have, is – You have Cam Brown and Lathan Ransom already. You so already you have, have a, Brown and Ransom. And a wild card. You're right. Wow. You just okay. need a linebacker. Mitchell Melton. Mitchell Melton. In the mix. In the mix. In the mix. In the great big mix of we don't exactly know. what well, He's a guy I'm talking about. I mean, again, I wouldn't pick it, but it's like, oh, huh. Mitchell Milton's mm-hmm. with the first team. I mean, Mitchell Melton could be that. So, yeah. He's also where I had to go at that point. Oh, she had no choice. So, yeah. Yeah. So, thank you for making my pick seem better. <laughs> no, I was trying to be nice because I'm yeah. about to drop a bomb on everybody. You guys ready for this <laughs> Doug bomb? Has six points left for his last two spots. Lay it on us. You need an so, offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. I'm going to give you guys the two pairings that I'm thinking of here because there's two different ways I could go, and I'm torn. I'm actually torn. Because actually, of the four guys I could pick here, I would be pairing either the guy I like to like my number one guy and my number four guy, or do I take my number two guy and my number three guy, right? Because they both would add up to six points. Because I'm looking at two five-point guys, and I'm looking at two one-point guys. So would you guys pick, and you can give me your honest opinion, because it doesn't affect what you guys are going to be able to do. Would you pick five-point Zach Harrison and one point Dewan Jones, or would you take five point Paris Johnson and one point Jaden McKenzie? I I'll think take- I think Paris to me is the guy I want the most. Yeah. But as the one point guy, Dewan Jones, especially parking lot, right? That's a good one point parking lot guy who also might be in the mix a little bit, and people know him. Jaden McKenzie played like seven snaps last year and might be a fine addition to the defensive line, but people don't know him very much. But is it worth it to get, take him to get Paris? Steven, what were you going to say? I would take Paris because it just – Zach is great, and he's, he's fine. But I think Paris gives you the best value for a five-point guy. In a very small sample size, he showed us that I'm worth these five points. Zach showed you he was worth four and a half points. But I th- see, I think the opposite because I think you're getting more out of your five, your, the total six points you're spending if you take Harrison and Jones than you are spending the same six points on Johnson and McKenzie. And also, Paris gives, in a backyard situation, Paris gives you more time for CJ to get the ball to Garrett Wilson. I think Dewan Jones gives you plenty of time in a backyard situation. Yeah. 
And the other thing is too, I mean, some people might even say, I mean, should you take Harry, if you're going to take a five point offensive lineman, should you take Harry Miller? You should who actually started, but should not, but I wouldn't, that's not, that's not where I'm going. There was a way that I was anticipating, like, as this was coming together, I was like, I'm going to be able to get this guy at the end. And it's what I thought. Then I realized, Hey, there's this other option as well, but I'm going to go with my first instinct and I'm going to go with Steven. I'm going to take Paris Johnson. And then as I'm taking Paris Johnson and deciding between one point defensive linemen, I, it's Jaden McKenzie. It's there's somebody else, uh, Ty Hamilton, Davon Hamilton's younger brother, who actually, I mean, might, might be, he might be on a path like his brother was, and his brother became a third round NFL pick. I'm not sure that either of them is very known right now. So I will take Jaden McKenzie as my defensive lineman for one point. So Doug spent his six, sorry, his 24 points. Exactly. We didn't actually make that a parameter. You could underspend your 24 points if you wanted to, it didn't have to end on zero, but I think it's going to probably turn out that way for all of us. And I understand what you're saying there. I still think I like the, the combination because Jones to me is basically, this is an easy thing to say and almost maybe has no value, but like, isn't he like he would, he's almost a starter, but just isn't a starter. Like, I feel like he's right there in a way that I don't know that I feel the same way about McKenzie. No, I agree. Yes, for sure. Dewan Jones is still, I think, a little bit raw. I mean, he's not going to start. There's three tackles better than him right now with Munford, Petit Frere, and Paris Johnson. But if you had to play Dewan Jones, I mean, I think he still has some refinement to, to, to undertake. But I think we've been talking about him, right? We've been talking about him for a couple of years. Nobody's, we haven't yet talked about Jaden McKenzie. So we just don't know. But I agree, Nathan. I mean, if, if this team's going to try to win the national title this year, if they had to put Dewan Jones on the field for part of that, I think they'd be fine with that. Josh Alabi. Alibi. Sorry, Josh Alibi. He might that might just be his role where he's That's the true. ultimate six man line six offensive lineman where if somebody goes down, whether it's in the inside or on the outside, they just plug him in for that game and things keep rolling as you as normal. Stud told me a year ago that he still thinks that if if Dewan Jones hits his ceiling, he's a first round pick, which is like, okay, well, he's huge. He's got long arms, mm-hmm. he's got good feet, he's like a basketball player, he's got all that stuff. So it's like, all right, well, you you look at him and it's like, okay, well, yeah. I mean, if all that comes together, but also that's a lot to come together. And I don't know that we'll see it this year, right? Just because because Munford and Petit Frere came back. If neither of them had come back, and we didn't even know, I mean, until the, the, the season got wacky, Frere Munford coming back wasn't even an option, right? So he's right. taking advantage of that last year. And the idea of Petit Frere popping as a third-year guy, first-year starter and going – Again, we talk about that all the time. If both of them had gone, I think Dewan Jones would be penciled in for the spring as a starting tackle. Pencil maybe, but still there. If one of them had gone, he'd be penciled in as the third tackle. Mm -hmm. But right now, again, we think Paris Johnson's going to wind up starting. Somebody moves to guard, but then if somebody gets hurt, you you move that guard outside and whatever – Right now, Dewan Jones is the fourth tackle, probably, right? Maybe fighting Max Ray for that spot. But in another world, this guy might be lined up to start. And all these decisions aren't about his ability and his timeline. It's kind of what happened around him. So, Stephen, your pick is up next, but you actually don't really have a pick. You get Jack Miller for your last two points. Okay. Are you content? 
taking him and, and just having that be the last piece of your team. I mean, if, if you would at the start of this, were you thinking I have to get one of those other two quarterbacks? What's your thought on Jack Miller? No, I, I think Jack Miller's got talent. Obviously I, I, I think it's, this is my moment to actually pick him up. Play. The arm talent is clearly there. You see it in his, some of his film. I think sometimes when I was on the field, well in the stands, part of the field, watching the quarterbacks throw before the game to see how guys were progressing. The arm talent is there. He might actually have a better arm than C.J. Stroud and Kyle, and Kyle McCord. Just, you know, he might actually have the best arm of the three. It's just the intangibles, the ability to stay healthy. It's all that other stuff that maybe he's probably behind in right now. But I have no problem. In a backyard situation, I have no problem whatsoever with Jack Miller being my quarterback. I think he can get the job done, especially with the pieces around him. Travion Henderson, who, I mean, that guy is going to be awesome. And then Jeremy Ruckett, I think, is a solid option for him where, you know, we can make him an actual tight end. We can put him out there as a wide receiver. And then also Thayer Munford can protect him. So I think given what I have around him, I have no – I am comfortable with this team. I, I'm, I think you've got a really interesting, like, ball control offense for this. Yeah. Like, chew a lot of clock in the backyard here with this offense. Uh, Jack Miller, Trevion Henderson, Jeremy Ruckett, Thayer Munford. We are here I, to win games 17-7. to 7. I do think it's interesting. I'm like, it's a three-man quarterback competition, and they were five points, four points, and two points. So why not take the two-point guy? Yeah. Right. Even if it, even if he's maybe in our minds third on the list right now, he's still on the list, and he's only two points. So ending up with Jack Miller as your QB is a quite reasonable <laughs> strategy in this kind of setup. Yeah, no, I, I, and I, I may look back and regret the way I decided to do it, taking Common Court as early as I did. If I had let, would you have taken Common Court earlier if he was still there, Stephen, for five points? No, I, I'd have waited. I think I do think it, it went the way it needed to go. CJ Stroud was probably going to go first, and then after that, I would have waited for a while and tried to see what I could build before I took a quarterback, just because but, there's three extra points if you don't take Kyle court. So I would have seen who was left on the board, maybe two rounds into it. And by then I would have probably made my decision. But the tricky thing is then you get deep into this thing. And now you may not have the points to make the choice. Yeah. You get, you get down, you have four points left for two spots. You can't take common court. You have to take Miller, but that still could be a, a viable strategy. So I have one spot left. I have the last pick. I have two points to spend on a running back. And there are three guys eligible there. It's either steel chambers or Marcus Crowley as two-point guys, and Mayan Williams as a one-point guy. Uh, Chambers was the number 231 recruit in the nation. Crowley was number 370. Mayan Williams, 627. Um, I, I'm really curious who you guys would pick here. I think I know who I'm going to pick here. I'll even, I'm going to write down who I'm going to pick. I, would, I have no doubt who, who I would, who pick. would you guys? Who would you guys take? I would take Mayan Williams. Mm-hmm. Both for a football field and a parking lot. Bowling ball in a parking lot is going to look pretty good. Yep. But also, he showed something. He showed something in limited opportunity last year. Steel Chambers got us excited for a series early on. I still feel like Marcus Crowley has some potential, but we just haven't had a chance to see enough of it. So I think in my rankings right now, and they're probably pretty close, but I think I would go Mayan Williams, Marcus Crowley, Steel Chambers in that order but I think Mayan Williams, there's a little bit of separation for that top spot in my mind. Mayan Williams set up a 56-yard touchdown pass, basically, because he had three awesome runs, and all of a sudden, Ryan Day's going play action deep to Chris Olave. So 
and that's in that that's in the Sugar Bowl against Clemson. While Steel Chambers, yes, you flash, but it was also against Nebraska. And I think that has you have to take that into consideration when you're talking about young guys who are flashing. Who would they do it against? So I I, I think all that makes sense, but I'm actually t- taking Marcus Crowley. I I'm I'm intrigued by what he could have been this year. The opportunity that was there at times, if he had been healthy and had a normal offseason, he obviously was coming off of the torn ACL. He looked good in his flashes before that, but although, as you say, Stephen, you have to take into consideration when those are happening. And I think he was a guy that we were all somewhat intrigued by, and I, I wonder if he's one of those guys, too. A lot of guys in his backfield. I mean, this backfield has gotten crowded, so I don't know what the future holds for really any of these like lower – you know, backup guys in the, in the running back room. I'm that's going to be an interesting thing to follow going forward. Now that you have Henderson here, you have prior here, you still had Teague here. You had Williams who was showing something last year. And I think that's going to have some value to this coaching staff. And they're probably going to respect that as this depth chart is coming together. So where do steel chambers, Marcus Crowley, those guys fit in? I don't know exactly. I do still though, respect Marcus Crowley's talent, what he flashed in 2019 and I'm kind of just banking on that with my last pick here. They've got a, the bottom of that room is going to get figured out. And I don't mm-hmm. know that everybody in that room in the spring is going to be in that room in the fall. And I know uh, the good folks at Letterman Row at least had a headline that had a question in Mark, I think, in it of the idea of like, could Steel Chambers maybe switch to linebacker? You know, that it's like, all right, well, what do we have? What do we need? Well, you got six running backs. Do you need six running backs? Well, we don't have much experience at linebacker. A lot of guys in high school played running back and linebacker, right? I mean, like, so I'm not, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know, whatever, but that room's going to get thinned out. And I think if you believe that, that Henderson, Pryor, and Teague are for sure part of Ohio State's at least short-term future, right? Then where do mine Williams, Marcus Crowley, and Steel Chambers fit in? And I just don't know that anybody wants to be a sixth-string running back. If you think you could be a first or second-string running back, somewhere else pretty good. So I, that's, that's, if they have any kind of real spring practice, I think that's one of the things that will get sorted out and maybe some guys will make decisions. The Steel Chambers linebacker thing has actually been a, a, conversa- a question mark for since he's gotten here. I remember back in 2019 when we had running backs and linebackers on the same day. I think it was in the spring, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. They were asking Tony Alford about, is, are you worried about Al Washington stealing Steel Chambers from you? I was a linebacker. Like, obviously, Tony Alford yelled over to uh, Al Washington jokingly, hey, are you trying to steal one of my players? And, you know, a little back and forth. But I think that's been a consistent conversation with him since he's gotten on campus. And it wouldn't be a surprise if that ends up happening. So it, it wouldn't surprise me. I guess I don't know, though, what the long-term upside play is for that. You're taking, you're saying that it's, an, it's a position group where you already don't have a lot of experience. You would kind of be adding an inexperienced linebacker mm-hmm. into the, an already inexperienced mix. I mean, yeah, he played in high school, but he hasn't played it at all in college. I know he's had special teams experience and things like that. So it may be an easier adjustment. I, But you've also got some pretty good linebackers coming in in this next recruiting class. I just don't know long-term. It makes sense from a a roster balance standpoint. But if I were Steel Chambers, I don't know if it makes sense from a I'm ever going to get to play standpoint. No, I mean, if you're Steel Chambers – Again, because yes, we're not trying to get him out of here, but if that, is, if that would be your choice, do you want to switch to linebacker or do you want to transfer and be a running back somewhere else? I think, I think maybe you'd rather transfer and try to be a running back yeah. at somewhere not quite at Ohio State's level. That, that might be a better option for him. But again, I, I'm trying to think not that 
I mean, this is probably a podcast too. It's like off the top of my head. It's like off the top of my head, what's, what are the great position switch stories in Ohio State history? Most of the time when they happen, they happen when you're a freshman. You know, they happen pretty early. You know, like Rashad Berry was a tight end who got a couple of defensive end snaps later in his career. Zach Bourne, of course, was a fullback. And then when the fullback position disappeared under Urban, they played a bit linebacker. And he was this, their starting middle linebacker for a chunk of a season. Chris Gamble, famously, nobody's Chris Gamble. We're not suggesting somebody become a two-way player. But there's not a ton of, like, successful you know, once you're kind of into your career a decent amount, do you make a long-term switch? Braxton, Braxton's a quarterback, becomes a slot receiver, gets drafted in the third round as a slot receiver. So, but also who's Braxton? I mean, who's Braxton Miller? Braxton Miller is one of the great athletes in Ohio State history. So. Who had no choice but to switch too because yeah. arm literally fell out. So it's not impossible. I mean, it's not impossible. And I, it makes me curious, right, what other running backs in college football switched to linebacker and became good linebackers who started for their teams? I don't know. Uh, but it's a, it's a choice that kids face sometimes. And sometimes, you know, if you love a place and you want to help, you'll do whatever that place needs you to do to help. And if it's you're a good football player, come in here, be in the mix at second-team linebacker and be one of our best special teams players – versus be the sixth string running back if that would be the choice sometimes that can be a smart move for a kid because you can still find a way to help the team so here are running down our teams again and we're going to put these out on the text and and everybody can vote on who they think won this one and that'll decide how we draft in the next one we're going to kind of keep these going because i think people like them and, and we like doing them i thought this might be a little bit more combative but if it's because there were some guys who were really good value but those got taken so early that after that it kind of fell into more about what everybody needed to fit positionally so all right so we each spent our full allotment of 24 points to put together our eight-man teams I had the first pick I ended up with Kyle McCord is my quarterback running back Marcus Crowley receiver Chris Olave offensive lineman Nicholas Petit Frere defensive lineman Haskell Garrett linebacker Dallas Gant Defensive back, seven banks, and my wildcard defensive player was Kayvon Pope. Steven, you had the second pick. Your quarterback was Jack Miller. Running back, Trevion Henderson. Receiver, Jeremy Rucker. Offensive lineman, Thayer Munford. Defensive lineman, Tyreek Smith. Linebacker, Mark, uh, Mitchell Melton. Defensive back, Cam Brown. And your wild card was Lathan Ransom. And Doug, you were bringing up the caboose there, uh, drafting at the hot corner, as they call it. Uh, C.J. Stroud is your quarterback. Running back, Marcus Teague. Uh, master 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 teague Teague. he's the master (laughs) receiver uh garrett wilson offensive lineman paris johnson jr defensive lineman jade mckenzie linebacker craig young defensive back legend cavazos and your wild card was josh proctor so we all got a mix of of guys who are starting guys who are maybe you know aspirant to something bigger but you can get pretty deep on this roster and get pretty low into the star ratings of where guys were recruited and and still find real contributors i want to look back through the list real quick of, of who got taken there were f- only five five-star players so probably less five-star players than almost any category were taken here but that's kind of the nature when you're spending points you're really trying to get bang for buck here were the five-star guys who weren't taken and i think it's obvious why some of these guys weren't taken um emeka Egbuka, julian fleming jackson smith and jigba all left on the table we were all only taking one receiver and so with the exception of garrett wilson you're probably looking for more bang for your buck later on down the list. Harry Miller, going to be a a second-year starter, we all assume, on the offensive line, not taken. Donovan Jackson, a guy who people have high expectations for, not taken. And then uh, no five-star defensive players taken. Teron Vincent, 
Zach Harrison, Jack Sawyer, and Tyreek Johnson. And for those first three guys, I, I mean, I don't know what people are expecting from Tyreek Johnson at this stage of his career, but those first three guys all fall into that category of this is a year where Ohio State kind of needs them to be five-star guys in order for them to have the kind of season they want to have, I think. They, they, we were looking at this team, I think, a year ago at this time, saying who are the stars that are going to emerge on defense, and they did. Haskell Garrett, Tommy Togiai, some guys stepped up that had not been stars before, and I feel like we're in a very similar position right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it. There is a lot of certainty with this offense and a lot of uncertainty with the defense, and so it, it reflected, I think, how we went about this. And it again, I, I hope people understand this. Listen, <laughs> we're doing five podcasts a week. We have been doing five. Po- we're coming up on a year of doing five podcasts a week. And we're trying to analyze your team and we're trying to find fun ways to analyze your team. And so we're not just doing this draft to like give each other crap, although that's part of it. Um, added bonus. Added bonus. We hope for, but certainly not a bonus for us. We hope it's not a bonus for the listeners as well, but it, I, th- I hope it's informative of your team. And as you think about these Ohio state Buckeyes who once again are going to be very good in 2021, but you start looking at like the the defensive players who got picked in this draft, you know, and it's like, all right, well, you know, Haskell Garrett's really good. We know that Tyreek Smith, man, he could really pop. And then it's like, all right, Josh Proctor, Seven Banks, Dallas Gantt, and then like a lot of I don't knows, which should tell you something about your defense. But there is potential out there. And 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 as we get into more of like a spring football preview kind of stuff. I could tell with the way you were talking about something earlier, Nathan, we're going to wind up in a conversation again, which is one of the more popular, more frequent conversations on this podcast, which is, will young guys get past older guys? And, you know, as you said, there are some guys maybe in the secondary who have been around a little bit and whatever, but also there are some interesting young guys in the secondary. And there is some interesting linebacker, you know, and we don't know. And I think we always are waiting for the young guys to blow past some of the older guys, right? And often it's not the case. Often it does wind up that they lean towards experience, often with very good reason. They were the second best team in the country last year. But I'm, I'm always still curious for the moments, even if it's only one spot where you have a guy that says, man, that guy. So we just – I think there's – when we do like spring football preview, I think there's gonna be four or five positions when we go through where we go, well, we think it'll be this older guy, but it could be this younger guy. And that's fun. It's especially more interesting this year because it's not, I think with the conversation, especially with the linebackers, when you're talking about older guys, younger guys passing older guys, it's been older guys who were playing and starting. This is, everyone's actually on equal footing. You know, there's not this you know, guys don't have built in equity with the program already. Cause none of these guys have been playing. So whether it's the linebackers bar or even secondary outside of seven banks, Cam Brown a little bit, but also he didn't play that much cause he got hurt. There's so many spots where the younger guys and older guys are on equal footing. So it, it, it might be a little easier for that younger guy to, you know, surpass the older guy and earn a, earn a spot. And the other intriguing thing being there's always those guys who have just been hanging around. So they're not young. 
They just haven't been starters, haven't had big roles. Again, like we said last year, those guys broke through. I thought on defense, we thought that they had to, and they, they stepped up enough to help that team get to a national championship. So I'm intrigued by whether there's some of those guys kind of hiding in the folds of this team. Four-star guys, so four-point guys, none of, our, none of the top 100 receivers got taken except for Garrett Wilson. So those, those, those five-star guys, and then Cameron Babb, Jaden Ballard, Marvin Harrison Jr., G. Scott Jr., and Jamison Williams. He was the one that I thought someone might take just because – at this stage of his career, he's at least been a starter. He's done some things. He was the one that I thought might still get taken. But it's that's an intriguing thing about this team that how much of their star power, if you want to say, is in that receiver room right now. So many of their top 100 guys on this roster are piled into that receiver room. There are a lot that, of guys in that wide receiver room that you take in a parking lot. So Jackson Smith, the Jigba, you probably take. It's just – you probably take the guy you, that we ended up taking, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jeremy Ruckert, before him. And it's also stage. hard because there's so, we all have great expectations for those guys. None of those guys are going to surprise us the way Chris Olave surprised us. I don't know that there's – I don't even know who's a candidate for, like, to be a surprise receiver. It's like because they're all top 100 guys. Is it – well, is it this awesome guy or this awesome guy? Maybe it won't be both, but the guy who wins isn't going to be a surprise. So that's a lot on those guys. Which is like, hey, it's like, hey, we didn't get picked in your thing because you're a five-star and you haven't done anything yet because you haven't had the chance to do anything yet. But that is going to be interesting to watch that receiver room work itself out because I don't know if they'll feel it or not. I mean, I, I have a hard time sometimes telling. They know. They know they were highly ranked. They wanted to be. They, were, they, they get it. They know they're five-star guys. And so it doesn't define you. You know, but it, it can be hard. It's like it just it puts, I think, at least a little bit extra, if not pressure, expectation that is like, hey, why am I not playing yet? I'm a five-star guy. And, and in that room, the answer is going to be because a different five-star star guy is playing, which is going to be interesting to watch it work out. Yeah, yeah. Being a five-star at Ohio State, you're not that special. Like there's, there's programs in the Big Ten where when you get a five-star guy and you're like the one five-star they've had in a decade or whatever, or some of them don't even get getting. There's programs in the Big Ten. Every other program in the Big right. Ten. Right. I mean, if Jackson Smith Najigba was at Penn State or Wisconsin or Michigan, he'd have led them in receiving this year. Who are the other top programs right. in this league? They would be going bonkers for him. They'd be like Jackson Smith Najigba. Could he be an All American as a sophomore? But here, it's like, will he play? <laughs> Julian, I mean, Fl- Julian Fleming was the number one wide receiver in the country, and in the moment, that's a big deal. But now, two years later, it's like, yeah, well, I mean, they did it. 21 and 22 too so it's like yeah if he was if julian fleming had stayed home and gone to penn state he'd be on posters oh yeah like on the this the penn state pocket schedule this year and and now he's like all right well Lave came back what am i gonna do i mean like i'm not trying to be stupid about it but is that's that's what it is we talked about that three-point category, the four-star guys who are outside the top 100 but in the top 200. And Ohio State has a lot of those guys, but like we said, it's not necessarily a huge impact group right now. Uh, Dallas Gant was taken out of that. Lathan Ramson was taken out of that, but they were kind of late picks for us. The one guy that I thought might go was Antoine Jackson, who counts as this. as a He was where his high school ranking was. He was actually a JUCO recruit here, so I, I, I could have probably slotted him even higher, but it, it turns out nobody took him. He was the one guy out of this group that I thought was maybe the one that would most likely get selected, but it just didn't turn out that way as we were picking defensive linemen. No, no I agree. I mean, we sort of talked about those three-point three guys on our list mm-hmm. um, that most of them are, are fine, but they don't, they don't make a jump and grab them. 
and and the the two point guys are, I think where you can win a, a thing like this and and we'll see how the the textures vote but a lot of guys taken out of the two point list um I over half of the two point available guys were taken and then one point guys who were taken were just Craig Young and Chris Olave although as you guys said you could have and Jade McKenzie I should say I'm sorry is he a one point guy yeah he was one yeah. point guy um and as you guys said Mayan Williams I could have easily taken him with my last pick and I think was a very defensible pick there too so some good value even at that one point spot so it's I think this is a good exercise to remind people that number one it's not just about the Chris Olaves who blow up you can still get good value for guys who help a team with these guys who are outside the top 200 nationally even three-star guys I think Ohio State still needs those guys no but it goes back to the point I said they need those guys they just don't need they don't need the 287th best player in the country Correct. They are better off taking the 714th best player in the country who's probably an Ohio kid who's maybe an inch too short or 10 pounds too light or caught between positions or coming off an injury or out of a small school that is a good football player who wants to be a Buckeye. I think you are better off taking number 711, especially from Ohio, than you are taking 287. And as I look over this list, it's, it's a mix, but it's not necessarily a lot of guys who are from Ohio. It's, you know, Sam Hart coming from Colorado and Luke Whipler coming from New Jersey and uh, Elijah Enoch Vamahi Gardner coming, from Texas. Yeah. Elijah Gardner from Texas. Um, Enoch Vamahi coming from Hawaii, Court Williams coming from California, uh, Antoine Jackson, like you said, bounced around before he got back here. So it's guys from all over the place ending up in that category. And it is intriguing to see, there is still, though, I think some ceiling for some guys in that room to reach for. We've talked about Cade Stover before. That's an in-state guy. Some other guys on this list, some of these defensive backs, Denzel Burke, Andre Turrentine. We'll see how those guys turn out long-term. Jansen Dunn, Ronnie Hickman. So there's still some value in that group. It's just interesting how that turned out for, for the exercise of this draft. So we're going to take a break here. We're going to come back after the break. We're going to talk about what our optimal eight-man team would have been. But we're also going to get into what I think is going to be interesting is how the Texters put their teams together, who they really thought were the big values, and um, maybe some of the more interesting picks they came up with next on Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk, wrapping up talk of this draft that we did today, um, using 24 points to put together this eight-man team of Ohio State football players. And we're going to get to our tech subscribers and some of their votes here in a minute, especially the ones who did not use Chris Olave to build their team. I think that was the most intriguing thing because everyone kind of assumed, everyone agreed he was the most obvious guy. You're getting him for one point. But if you decided to try to build a team without him, how did that go? I thought there were some interesting answers. One wrinkle that came up when I looked back through the texter teams, several of them pointed out that they split their points 12 and 12 between offense and defense. And some people said, well, I tried to do that, but then I had to tweak it a little bit. So I went back and looked at ours. Steven and I both went 13 and 11 offense, defense, 13 on offense. Doug had the most interesting split. He had 16 points dedicated to offense. And we noticed that early, you know, getting – uh, Garrett Wilson early getting CJ Stroud early he put a lot of points in offensively early and then only put eight points to defense and I thought that was an interesting kind of as we said like there are a lot of guys who are maybe higher point higher ranked recruits on the defensive side that maybe just haven't pushed through to make themselves an obvious pick yet 
I will say if I had done the opposite thing that we talked about, if I had done Zach Harrison, Dewan Jones, mm-hmm. instead of Paris Johnson, Jade McKenzie, I would have wound up 12 and 12. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But you are also, I think your point is still correct, Nathan. So I'm curious if we didn't, we're doing this by a draft. What would our optimal eight man teams have been? If we had gotten to do what the texters ended up ultimately doing and just use 24 points to put together a team what team would we have ended up with? And I interestingly ended up with a 9-15 split doing this, putting nine on offense and 15 on defense. So the almost exact opposite, more than the exact opposite of what I did during the regular draft. I'll just go ahead and say mine, and you guys can chime in on yours. I'm curious how, how you Yours is nine, nine offense. Right. 15 defense. Correct. This and is to me, interesting. But it makes a little bit of sense if you think about it. So I'll just tell you. I mean, obviously Chris Olave at one point, you got to take Chris Olave. I just don't know how you do this. If you're trying to make the best team, I honestly don't know how you don't have Chris Olave as the one point guy. And then Thayer Munford, you're getting a, a first team all Big Ten guy for two points, most likely, or a potential one. Those to me seem very obvious. And then I took CJ Stroud as the quarterback, and then Master Teague as the running back. So you're only spending nine points to get those four guys. And that leaves you a lot of options on what you want to do on defense. So on defense, I took Haskell Garrett on the defensive line, Taraja Mitchell at linebacker, Seven Banks at defensive back. Again, just a two-point player. Those other two, Garrett and Mitchell being four points each. And then for my wild card, it left me as many points as I wanted to spend. So I took Zach Harrison with five points as the wild card spot. I think with the first – with the seven positions before the wild card, I took what I thought was the best player at every position, Mm -hmm. regardless of points. Mm -hmm. And I had three points left for the defensive wild card. And I thought it was not – well, it's almost, it's almost exactly what Nathan said, except for two spots off, I think. Can I guess, so, can I guess yeah. where the defense – yeah. did you take – did you not put Teague at running back? Correct. You probably have Trayvon Henderson at running back. Correct. So then that leaves you – Two points to spend, three points to spend at wild card. You said, because you probably yeah. have, did. You have a different linebacker too. Did you also have uh, Gant at linebacker? Yep. So then that leaves you three points at defensive wild cards. You probably took Lathan Ransom. That is correct. That's my team. I think Stroud's the best quarterback. I think Travion Henderson's the best running back. I think Olave and Wilson are tied. So you take the one point guy instead of the five point guy. I think, again, if you want to make a case for NPF or Paris Johnson, you could, but they're five-pointers. I'm taking the two-pointer in Thayer Munford. I think Haskell Garrett at four. I think Haskell Garrett – he's an All-American. He's the best guy. I, you said, I think, earlier you, you think you like Mitchell the best. I, Gantz, I think, going to be the starter at middle linebacker. I, if I, he feels like the most sure thing to me. He wasn't mm-hmm. as high of a recruit as Taraja Mitchell. I think of a mixed group at linebacker, he's the most sure thing. Seven Banks is the best guy in the secondary. I thought it was – Fairly obvious. I, I did not spend a lot of time on it. And then it was just, all right, now I need a three-point wild card on defense. And I felt good about Lathan Ransom. I thought it was possible that we might wind up with the exact same team, a couple of us. I'm curious if this is Steven's team or if Steven went the Wilson route, which makes it a little harder, but actually might make it a little more fun because you're a little squeezed. So did you go the Wilson route, Steven? Yeah, did, did he vote with his head or his heart? <laughs> yeah, I did not because it's just – I mean, one point for Chris Olave is just – it's just too much to pass up. I, so, basically, Doug, we are almost exactly alike except at linebacker. 
I went with Craig Young as a one-pointer, which gave me four points from my wild card because I thought the best I, – because I wanted Josh Proctor as another guy in the secondary for that, for that spot. And I just think he's the best possible wild card situation because he literally is a wild card for this defense and all the ways they can use him. And I would be willing to sacrifice linebacker play because Craig Young is still going to be a guy that I think is going to have a role this year and play pretty solid enough that in a secondary where Seven Banks is clearly the best corner, he probably needs some help. So get him some safety help. But other than that, yeah. And it actually left me with an extra point. It was only 23 yeah. points with that way. So. Yeah, you could have, if you wanted to, you could have taken Zach Harrison as a five-pointer instead of Josh mm-hmm. Proctor as a four-pointer. But – Josh Proctor maybe has shown more so far to make yeah. you think I just want Josh Proctor. So when I went back through all of our texter votes and thanks to those of you who participated, I know we were throwing a kind of a big homework assignment at you in, in the morning and, and several of you responded by this afternoon as we're putting this together. Some, some obvious answers at like a lot of these positions, the closest vote, would you, what, what position would you guess had the closest vote? In terms of which by vote, you mean got which guys were used at which position? Correct. And then remember also that it's, it's um, that on defense, I didn't split up wild card. I just counted if yeah. a guy, you know what I'm saying? Because there was no way to tell who had, which one had been picked first or whatever. So, Close. but which, which position had like the, the, there's one position that had maybe the, the, I guess the best way to say it, the smallest differential between the top vote getter and the lowest vote getter. Defensive line. Yeah. With Haskell Garrett and Tyree Smith, Smith and maybe a little Zach Harrison. There were nine defensive linemen picked among our ballots, which was surprising to me in some ways, but in some ways not as we, maybe as we look a little bit deeper, because, because it's one of those positions where if you saved it for last, there are some of those like one and two point guys that you could, you could plausibly slip in. Linebacker was the toughest position for people, I think, or the one where there was, it was the one that was clustered together the most. Dallas Gantt was the highest vote getter. He had 14 votes. Then Craig Young and Court Williams with seven each. And then Kayvon Pope and Taraja Mitchell with five each. So a pretty clustered group in there. Now, maybe that was also the position where people, for whatever reason, or from whatever tier guys were in, that was the one where they were taking a wild card the least for some reason. But that was also the one where I think that Going into the season, I think we see the most balance maybe at that position too, and it's reflected a little bit in these votes. Uh, Court Williams is a guy that I don't think was mentioned even once in our draft, and he's an interesting guy. It does not surprise me that he comes up here with textures because I think people believe that whatever that outside linebacker bullet safety thing might be it feels like there's kind of a role waiting for him and as much as we maybe don't know exactly how Gant Mitchell Pope Young work out it feels like Court Williams has a spot and I, I know there are people who think that if he had been healthy last year he might have played last year as a true freshman he feels like he's got it he feels like a guy with a sense of a seriousness of purpose a guy you would want in the parking lot it's like I don't yeah I'll take that guy on my team so I'm glad that there were texters thinking that way. He's an unknown quantity to some degree, but I think he is an interesting use of points at that position. Uh, the wild card spot, 100%. And I think part of the reason he was maybe out of sight, out of mind for us is because Lathan Ransom exists. 
as a guy who could fill that wild card spot. And we saw him kind of fulfill that role a little bit during the seat, that bullet role as well during the season. So I, I think that part of, but yeah, him just not playing combined with some other things. He just maybe wasn't the first. I thought about it, but it's just, I just thought that's, there's some guys, there's at least some true freshmen in that role that he might play that have at least shown it on the field while he didn't get that opportunity because he tore his ACL. He, he, literally is the wild card i mean he is a wild yeah. card on defense like that's it's not just the, for this for this draft he is a wild card so we could go position by position real quick uh at quarterback the texters overwhelming vote 77.8 percent of the vote went to one guy i'm just gonna guess. usage usage because i think vote it's not exactly vote correct, it's how, correct. Yes. how you mm-hmm. right. use the guys on your team right. factoring in their point total and that kind of thing he's chosen yeah, but I yeah. do. I think that Stroud is clear number one. Does not surprise me. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, seventy-seven point eight percent at running back. One guy was chosen on slightly less than that. Let's see, seventy-five percent of the vote. Trevion. Is West it people? You, they they did go the five-point true freshman over the two-point veteran. They leaned that hard toward Trevion. I was surprised. Master T got two votes. Wow, people are down on Master two T. Picks. It's, I mean, because you've seen Master Ching, you've seen what that ceiling is, but also the, the running back situation just going with Travion seems like the best place to go with a five to use your five points, given what the other positions provide in the four and three and two point slots. Well, but you don't have to pick someone from the five point slot at all. But I, I think that the point is like Mayan Williams was on five uh, teams, Master Teague on two, Pryor and Crowley one each. But I think that the point here is, again, everybody has seen all of those guys, not prior, I guess, but it's just they see a ceiling on all those guys. And then Henderson, whatever you have to spend, he may be able to return it and then some. I think that's probably the way people looked at it. Um, out of 36 teams that we got sent back that actually followed all of the rules, and, and I didn't do the math on everybody, but I trusted that if you had the eight guys spread out right that you did the math right. So out of those, how many did not pick Chris Olave? Seven. You literally took the number out of my mouth. Yeah, seven is what I'm going to – I'll go eight just to – Three. Wow. Okay. 33 out of 36 when Chris Olave. Uh, Garrett Wilson won, Jeremy Ruckert won, and G. Scott won a piece. We're going to to come back to that in a second because I wanted to see how people constructed a team if they decided not to take the the potential first-round NFL draft pick for one point. Um, At offensive line, uh, Thayer Munford was the overwhelming vote-getter, 27. Uh, who was second? Paris. Yeah, Paris. Paris Johnson had seven and then one each for Luke Whipler and Dewan Jones. That's uh, defense- interesting that everybody who decided to pick a five-star took Paris instead of NPF, that nobody picked NPF, who yep. very well might be an All-American this year. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. The top vote-getter on the defensive line got 69% of the vote. Haskell Garrett. Probably yeah, no Haskell. surprise here. Yeah, number two was a little bit of a surprise to me though. Nine votes. Nine picks. Zach, since you said it was a surprise. It was not Zach Harrison. Okay. Antoine Jackson? It was another five-star. Oh. Jack Sawyer. Jack Sawyer. <laughs> Jack Sawyer. Nine votes. So we got a quarter. You know, Again, there were some people who were taking him as their – this is where we're getting into the defense where you could – where there's more votes here because yeah. people mm-hmm. were taking the wild card. But, yeah, he got nine uh, teams, picked him. to eat, uh, Tyreek Smith, seven teams. John Baptiste and Harrison, three each. One each for Mackenzie Cage, Ty Hamilton, and Antoine Jackson. Antoine Jackson only picked on one team. I, that one surprises me a little bit. I think there's a lot of value in him in, a, in an exercise like this. 
Uh, the linebackers, like I said, they were all clustered. I did want to mention, though, when I first started tabulating these votes, I went – It was this is the only position like this. The first five teams that I was tabulating all had a different linebacker. So it was – there were five different linebackers taken on the first five picks, whereas of everybody else, there was – so there were – had one guy in common, like on pretty much all of those teams. And then the DBs, uh, two easy winners here, uh, seven banks, 23 votes, Lathan Ransom, 13 votes, Josh Proctor, six, Brown and Hancock, three each, Hooker, two, and then one apiece for um, Ja'Kalen Johnson, Cavazos, Hickman, and Martinez. We we're supposed to call him J.K. now. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so it, the, the Texters team – if I, if I collaborate, put, put all those together, is the same team that Doug put together. The C.J. Stroud, Trevion Henderson, Chris Olave, Thayer Munford, Haskell Garrett, Dallas Gant, Seven Banks, and then I just took the top vote-getter who would have used the last three points, and that was Lathan Ransom. And by the way, that team, four Nathan players, three Steven players, one Doug player. And yet, <laughs> and yet, and yet when we get now, these votes back, I won't be surprised if Doug's the winner. <laughs> But that's not completely fair because it, we, it was a draft format this time and you had to draft third. So that, 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 that throws it off a little bit. I mean, somebody who texted at us said, man, this was really hard. I can't imagine having to do this with two other guys taking my picks away from me. So like I said, I want to talk a little bit about how you put a team together if you don't include Chris Olave. So here's uh, David Medina. He had CJ Stroud, Marcus Crowley, Jeremy Ruckert, Thayer Munford, Haskell Garrett, Craig Young, uh, Jordan Hancock, and then Court Williams as the wild card. And uh, the, Hancock was getting a few mentions, like I said. He got picked on, on three, three teams. That was a little bit surprising to me. But, and so I think it was reflective, though, as you see some of those votes were sprinkled throughout this young secondary, that people are intrigued by what could be coming. I think it's just a question of how soon it gets here. Hancock is intriguing because you have to spend more points for a true freshman than you would for the, the, over the guy who's actually a returning starter. So yeah, he might be more talented, and he might be a young guy who steals a spot this year. But you're spending in this exercise. It's I don't know how much value you're getting there. Yeah, if you're spending four points on Jordan Hancock, you're doing it not just in um, without taking J.K. Johnson instead, but you're also doing it without taking Josh Proctor instead, or Seven Banks. Yeah, or oh, Cam but I'm Brown. talking about yeah, yeah I'm talking about using two points. Right, right. So yeah. those are even yeah. even cheaper. Right. So. But, but if, as far as using four points, and on some of those teams, and let me look at his again, did he already have – no, that, Hancock was his DB, and then Court Williams as a, as a, as a linebacker. So a, an interesting pick. Um, here was someone – someone filled out their team with Olave, but then said since Olave is a, as a one is semi-cheating, here's one without using him. It was much harder. Stroud, Mayan Williams, Garrett Wilson, Paris Johnson, Tyreek Smith, Kayvon Pope, Seven Banks, and then Bryson Shaw. And he said that his, the wide receiver, offensive line, and defensive line were critical, so he took a chance on the wild card to ensure getting top guys at those three spots. I, I understand that. I guess if you, if you look at the, the defensive wild card as being sort of just an extra spot, you know, Bryson Shaw was a guy who played rotational minutes last year, you know, you know two deep minutes, two deep snaps uh, at a point last season. Wasn't able to, like, keep a sustained role, but at least he was out there. I, I understand going that route, too. And that, that way you get, you know, that team has, you know, two five-point guys and two four-point guys. I, it makes me wonder um, if you went through – I mean, Chris Olave, he's a, he, yeah, he's like a cheat code for this. It just makes me wonder a little bit how, how unusual Chris Olave is. Because as much as we love – I mean, the two-star 
oh, he's a two-star recruit, became an All-American stuff, does pop up from time to time. I would be curious if, you know, someone's going to come out right with the top 50 college football players list before the season or whatever, right? A top 100. And if you went through there and just found everybody's recruiting rank in the 247 composite ratings, will Chris Olave be like the lowest ranked guy of the top 100 players in college football? I'll be curious. Now, listen. The answer is going to be no, because there's going to be some guy from Texas State who wasn't even ranked, right? Or there's going to be somebody at a small school or whatever, but maybe... The caveat has to be power five. Power five, yeah. That, like, that, you know, that you fought through other talent. Yeah. Find your way. Like, I just... I, I would be curious for context on Chris Olave in this situation. Because that's the thing there. It's not so much is there another guy like Chris Olave out there is how often do we see a Chris Olave at a power five school fight through all these four and five star guys as a true freshman. And not, you know, it's not like he broke out this year as a true freshman immediately. The moment he gets on the field, he's making plays the way you would have expected Garrett Wilson or Jackson Smith, the Jigboard, Julian Fleming to be making plays in their true freshman season late in the year like that. That's what makes it unique more than it's just a three-star guy who finally developed in year three, and now he's pretty good. The other thing we, we need to keep in context, though, Chris Olave is a very, very, very low-ranked prospect to even come to Ohio State, let alone then develop into a star. But it's, it's much more common at other places because those guys have opportunities at other places to, to grow into something. Like I, was, I just looked up, and I don't know if this guy would have been among the top 50 players in college football, but someone like Patty Fisher from Northwestern, who became like, you know, was just a, a respected player in the Big Ten. He was ranked like 1,087 coming out of high school. But those guys at places like Northwestern, sometimes it's a system fit. Sometimes I think it's more, more maybe more likely to happen on defense than at a skill position, obviously. But they, they develop into that level of player too. So I'd be maybe a little surprised if he was the lowest ranked guy. He might be the highest guy on a top 50 list that's ranked outside of the top 200 or whatever. That I could see. But I would bet that there's somebody on that top 50 that would be down in the six, eight, nine, even so lower. Maybe the better question is, who is Alabama's Chris Olave? Because Clemson's is obviously Isaiah Simmons. That guy was in the 500s, and he turned into what he turned into – Alabama, got, like Alabama, even Texas, when they were recruiting at a high level, USC, when they were recruiting at a – who's their Chris Olave, basically? Is, there, is maybe a better way to put it than just putting it on Power 5 schools? Yeah, I was just actually – had already started typing in Isaiah Simmons. He was number 451 by the, yeah. by the composite, the number 25 safety in the country. And then obviously that doesn't really fit what he ended up necessarily doing at Clemson. But that, that is an interesting example. And I think there's always at least one of those guys out there every year. But maybe this year it, it is Chris Olave. Um, a couple more of these teams. Uh, here's one from the five five nine Stroud, Mayan Williams. So I almost think if you take if you take if you don't take Chris Olave, you're spending one point on somebody probably. I don't know how to to do this in an optimal way where you're probably not taking a one point player somewhere. So his choice was Mayan Williams, uh, Garrett Wilson, Paris Johnson, Haskell Garrett, Dallas Gant, Lathan Ransom, and Tyreek Smith. I thought that was interesting. And then here's another one, uh, C.J. Stroud. Tyreek Henderson. This is the one that took G. Scott and spent four points on G. Scott. Dewan Jones for one point. Javante Jean-Baptiste, Hickman, Gant, and Ty Hamilton. So getting two one-point players as opposed to taking Chris Olave for one point and then spending those points elsewhere. I thought that was an interesting way to put together a team. G. Scott is a really inter- one of the guys I'm really intrigued by for 2021. Uh, just what he has in his background, 
what he has as just a guy, I think. And then his body type also is really interesting to me and how that might fit in that receiver room and in this offense. He obviously didn't really have a big role in the offense this past year. He got some, some special teams flash, but n- not a chance to go out there and really run a lot of routes and catch a lot of balls. And I don't know if that opportunity is going to be there in 2021 either. But he's, a, he's an intriguing guy to me for maybe uh, what do you see from him now that you put in the back of your mind in a spring game, in the preseason, whatever, and you're thinking about that in 2022 and 2023 when maybe he gets his chance to break through. I think he's the guy most imp- impacted by Chris Olave coming back because I, I understand he didn't wrote, I, Julian Fleming was his backup, but in the name of you're going to get your best guys on the field, no matter how you have to do it. If Chris Olave doesn't come back and Julian Fleming just steps into that position right there, G Scott is probably a rotating guy somewhere, but instead it's probably going to be Chris Olave is going to come off the field if he's tired, but he's going to play every meaningful snap that there is to play and Garrett Wilson the same way. And then obviously Jackson Smith, the Jigba and Julian and Fleming will have a role. And then, uh, Jamison Williams is going to have some type of a role, even if it's as a rotational guy. But does Julian Fleming rotate with Jamison Williams at that spot now? And that pe- keeps another year before G. Scott can get on the field here. It's hard to envision him being more than the number six receiver yeah. for this team. And then, but do they play six receiver? I, I don't, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah. I'm really still skeptical of this, this going back to the six man rotation. I'm like, in, why would in you a full time way. I'm just very skeptical of it. Another guy I wanted to throw out here too. We were talking earlier on this pod about guys who are sort of veterans who finally get their breakthrough late. They almost get forgotten about. We write them off as like rotational guys and then they pop through. Is is there still, is that still on the table for Javante Jean Baptiste? A guy who had to come here with, and kind of make his body over a little bit and, and grow into being a real big 10 defensive end. And then obviously have to fight through, to get snaps in a, a room that's usually pretty full. I'm still intrigued by him as an athletic talent. I just don't know uh, because they're recruiting such talent in behind him too. Does he get the opportunity to really break through and, and have a big impact or if he's always kind of just be a rotational guy? Not that that doesn't still have value at Ohio state. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not – I don't find him as interesting, <laughs> I guess, as you find – he was kind of a late recruit, right, Stephen? Wasn't he yeah. one of – he was a late Larry Johnson he, guy. A late Larry like Johnson guy, guy. Who was a late Larry Johnson who actually signed in the, in the late signing period for 2018, came here as a linebacker who they knew could grow into a defensive end just because of his body type. But I don't think there was ever a thought that he was going to be more than what he is right now. I mean – He's in the 200 as a recruit. I don't know. It's just hard and – when you're living in the, you know, world of five-star Jack guys Harrison, are coming in every other Jack year. Sawyer, yeah. yeah, JT Tumalau world. I, I don't know. I mean, Tyler, Jean-Baptiste and Friday are both Jersey guys who, who again, like at a different school yeah. would be like, what? We got a defensive end who's ranked in the, one of the top two, you know, among the top 250 players in the country. Holy moly. You know, they're from Jersey. Ohio State's been in Jersey, but, you know, it's not, it's not a pipeline or anything. And then they come here and they play. I mean, they play. They, they both had roles. They both got meaningful snaps for a team that played the national title game. So that's not nothing. But also it's just easy to sort of be a guy in the mix when, honestly, I mean, they'd be the best player on Rutgers defense. They would be – like a real, they would be a star at Michigan State. 
they would be, you know, like a really impactful guy at Indiana. And at Ohio State, they're like fourth, fifth best defensive end in the mix, whatever. It's just they're, they're a good example. Of, and, and that's fine. Maybe that's – they played in the national championship game. Mm-hmm. They were in the rotation. That's great. But they also have two – you know, they have one five-star defensive end coming for sure and maybe a second. And, you know, it's coming at you from every direction. So I, for, I don't know that he'll ever be more than sort of what he is now. I think the scenario that might just make sense is that he maybe he plays more snaps than Jock Sawyer this year just because Jock Sawyer is a freshman and he's a redshirt junior. But when he comes back for his fifth year and Jock Sawyer's had a year in the program and JT Tumalau, if he comes, we'll throw him in that as well. All of a sudden, it's Javante Jean Pappy's played 150 more snaps than Jack Sawyer. It's all of a sudden Jack Sawyer is playing, I don't know, 600 snaps in a season while Javante Jean Pappy, however many he played this year, is the exact same amount that he's going to play next year. Yeah, that defensive end rotation, I'm always more intrigued by who is playing the snaps at certain points of the game and who is playing snaps in November and beyond than I am about who's maybe piling up some snaps in September, especially when you've got guys coming in that are fairly young and and may not be right at the top of that depth chart, especially someone like Tumalo, if they get him um, not being here until the summer, so not even having this spring to get settled, you know, his he, he might get worked in a little bit later. But I, I'm I'm much more intrigued by what that pass rush could be in November than what it will be on September second or whenever that opener is. Uh, one more and, team. And that dude. That dude played 22 snaps in the national title game. So that's not right. nothing. Exactly. I, I Exactly. But also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Tyreek Smith was there. Correct. Yeah. So there's a big – I think a, a good way to put it, I mean, to the point of who's playing more snaps in November, I mean, Zach Harrison was getting – in 2019 was getting those snaps over Javante Jean-Baptiste by the time we got to that Clemson game. When they had five defensive ends who were fully healthy, Cooper, Smith, Harrison, Jean-Baptiste, and Friday, and then Friday was out starting in the Michigan State game, Mm-hmm. And he came back for the national title game and played 33 snaps, but then Smith was out. And then Jean Baptiste and Harrison were out sporadically along the way. Mm-hmm. So they only played two good teams, Penn State and Indiana, when they had all five healthy defensive ends. Mm-hmm. And in those two games, Jean Baptiste was fifth in snaps among the defensive ends. He had 10 mm-hmm. snaps and 12 snaps. So to that point, Cooper's gone, Sawyer's in. Maybe he moves up a spot. Maybe he's fourth in the defensive end rotation now instead of fifth. But also, Jack Sawyer might be coming right now. So, like yeah. by Michigan game, Jack Sawyer is the one getting the 25 to 30 snaps yeah. that were going to Javante, Gene Baptiste, and Tyler Friday. Yeah, he's season. a guy. The, the intrigue has always kind of stayed there for me just because he was a guy that I thought, and it reflected in his recruiting ranking a little bit, that he was in between positions. And so you come here to Ohio State where you've got this like defensive line guru and what could he do with an athlete like that? So it's just in the back of my mind. I'm kind of keeping an eye on him and what he could turn out. And there's one more team I wanted to run through because there was a player who only got mentioned on two teams, only got picked for two teams, uh, a one-point player. And I thought it was an interesting pick. And I think he's a good guy to end on. Uh, this person's team was C.J. Stroud, Terrell Pryor, Chris Olave. What? 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 Stop. Who? I'm Terrell. not Terrell Pryor. Evan Sorry, Pryor. Evan Pryor. <laughs> Man, <those> are... <laughs> you are missing some names here today, brother. <laughs> wow. C.J. Stroud, Evan Pryor, Chris Olave, Paris Johnson, Haskell Garrett, Dallas Gant, Seven Banks, and then for his defensive wild card, only having one point left, he or she took Marcus Hooker. 
And I thought that was an interesting guy, someone that is was obviously a low-ranked recruit. And at this time last year, and especially in like August of last year, September, well, whenever the season started, October, was a guy that we were talking about like, wow, what a great success story coming in as like the number whatever recruit he was. And now it looks like he's going to start. And then he did start. And he was the starting free safety most of the year. And then from our entire conversation day, how long this podcast has been, has been nowhere near anybody's lips until I just brought him up now. Like I said, only picked on two teams. And again, being a one-point guy, that it makes sense why you would even two guys, if he was even a two-point guy, maybe he doesn't get picked on any teams. So he's another guy. We talked before about just the how wide open the secondary might be going into the spring and even going into the fall. And he's another guy that I'm, I'm really intrigued by. Him and Marcus Williamson both. Like, where do those guys end up? Do they hold off this, like, young charge? And do they build on the experience that they finally got in a big way last year? Or did that expose them in some way? And now these younger, higher ceiling guys take the year that they got in the system and jump past them. Marcus Hooker makes me think if we'd have done this after we found out he had beaten Josh Proctor out for the starting safety job, if we'd have done this that Wednesday after Matt Barnes basically told us that information, would we have been looking at Marcus Hooker being a one-point guy as a high-value pick? He might have been a first-round pick. He might have been a first-round pick. Because then at that point where you're viewing him as he's the reason a top 100 recruit's not getting on the field. And now that the season has played out, it's like you said, we just didn't even bring him up once the entire conversation. I don't know what the history is of guys who were starters, lost their starting job, and then, like, and then came back and got it again. I think he's done. I don't mm-hmm. need to be. But when Isaiah Pryor was a starter at safety for Ohio State and then lost his starting job, he did not start again. He transferred. Yeah. Brendan White did not find a role again. He transferred. I'm not saying Marcus Hooker's going to transfer. But when you look at the playoffs last year, they played – Four guys, basically every snap in the secondary in both playoff games, Sean Wade and seven banks at corner and Marcus Williamson and Josh Proctor Proctor, like as the deep safety and Williamson is kind of like the, either the slot corner or the, a second deep safety. And then when they needed a fifth defensive back to varying degrees, it was, it was Lathan ransom. Marcus mm-hmm. Hooker didn't play on defense according to the 11 warriors snap count, which is gospel. Marcus Hooker didn't play a defensive snap in the playoffs. And so I know he had been out previously, but I don't think he's in their plans anymore. Now, the, the one wrinkle there is there was an injury with him. It wasn't a COVID situation. He was missing time. He did miss games Correct. with injuries. But he did also come back and play special teams, I right. believe, but he, just he not came, on defense. He missed so, the Northwestern game, and that was about it. That's a, that's a component of what happened with him last year, but I, I'm, I'm, I think you might be right, Doug. And, I, again, I think it's, it's all a matter of how much did these younger guys step up and then how much – does Kerry Combs and Matt Barnes and the rest of this staff trust those young guys? And but, allow but why them is it? Themselves? Why is oh, yeah. that? Why is that the case? Why is yeah. it not a case of like we played a guy and he wasn't good enough? He's not going to play anymore. It's literally yeah. And How? I mean, why would he be back on there? Because it's like well, these young guys have to come along. Somebody's going to come along. They took him off the field. I mean, when Ohio State decided like we're taking Isaiah Pryor off the field, it's not a matter of oh, are they young? It's like we're yeah. taking this guy off. Mm-hmm. And then we'll figure out who comes on. But step one is not him. And I'm not trying to be harsh, but, like, it's big boy school. No, no. This is how it works. He's not it. And he's they not, figured that out. He's not it. And that injury gave him an excuse to play somebody else to see if somebody else was it. And they proved to be the case. And so I, I, I agree. I think he's done. I, I think but probably, it doesn't matter if he proved to be the case. I like, think you're prob- He was done anyway. They yeah. would have gone to the next guy. Yeah. I think that's probably true. 
because of the injury situation, I don't know that that's a thousand percent true, but I think you're right. And I think that the, the opportunity that someone like Ransom was given or someone that like even Ronnie Hickman was given probably gave them enough foundation to build on for this coming year that they are probably ahead of him at this point. But that's what I want to know. Cause, cause again, we, there are little stories here and there, right? I'm like, okay. Um, famously, I think what Eli Apple was hurt. They played Gary, Gary Conley got a start. He wasn't ready. They like, pulled Eli Apple off the bike on the sideline and said, like, dude, you got to play. And then Garyon Conley wasn't ready to be a fill-in starter at that moment. But then by the next year, Garyon Conley was ready to be a starter, and he was a very good starter, and he was a first-round draft pick. So that happens sometimes. I don't – I would like to know the example at Ohio State of a guy won a job, played, wasn't good enough, and then came back from that and reclaimed a meaningful role. Because the whole deal at Ohio State is somebody's coming. So it's not a matter of, oh, is there somebody – somebody behind you is good enough. They're just young. They're a top 100 guy or a top 200 guy or a top 300 guy. So when you have a spot, it's not a matter of is there somebody good enough behind you to take your spot. There definitely is. You've got to hold on to it. You've got to prove you're better. Once you prove you're not better, it's very it's, – I think it's – I don't know if it's 100%. Probably nothing is 100%. I think it's 99%. Once you prove that you're not it, it's over. You know, at worst, what might happen – well, not worse or better. It's neither of these situations. It's not worse or better. It's just what might happen is, it, it, just like last year, when we walked into that first practice, we saw Jalen Harris working with the ones just because he's the older guy and you throw him a bone. But we all knew that what was going to happen when we got to the season that Jalen Harris was not going to be a starting wide receiver. They might give Marcus Hooker on that first day of spring practice an opportunity to work with that one, with the ones. But by the time we get to fall camp and by the time the season starts, we all know he's not going to be the starting single high safety. Okay, and that also is nothing. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what that point is. He might get to take a couple snaps in the first practice. Okay, that's nothing. Jalen Harris didn't play. So, like, it means nothing. You think they might throw – it's not even throwing him a bone. I mean, it's like throwing him, like, half a biscuit. I, don't, I mean, like, that's nothing. Talk to me. Is he going to play? Is he going to play meaningful snaps in games? I I would. I don't know what that would look like at this point. Why would you go back to that? Josh Proctor is ready to do more. Lathan Ransom is ready to do more. Marcus Williamson is here to do the same thing. By the end of the year, again, I don't want to get tied up in slot corner safety stuff. But Marcus Hooker, Marcus Williamson's back playing deep safety against Alabama. It's like okay. I mean, they've got options, man, and they they're just going to keep getting more options because it's Ohio State. So, like, congrats to Marcus Hooker. He did something right as the lowest-ranked guy in his recruiting class to win a job at the start of the 2020 season. And unfortunately for him, he wasn't able to hold it. And, yes, an injury was involved, but we had been hearing that was going to happen anyway. And, Stephen, like you said, it made a kind of a nice clean break. It's like, okay, yeah. well, he missed Northwestern, and then when he came back, he wasn't a starter. You, I wasn't there. You guys were there. But I can remember you guys saying, like, hey, he's out there in warm-ups with the twos or something, right? I mean, when, when, when it was. came time for the playoffs, it wasn't that he wasn't on the field. It was that, okay, he's back. He's just running with the twos, and then they never put him in on defense. He, he was with the twos, I think, with Clemson and in the Alabama game. I don't even think he was in the 2D by that point. But I think, yeah, I think had some games not been canceled, we would have seen that gradual change anyway last year. But yeah, I, the change I think, was coming. I think it does actually – you could spin it in a way where, like, the existence of people like him in the secondary, if they're a backup, 
makes you think that the secondary could be stronger in, in, in a way. Like, because it's not like he's. Cause you could put I, a guy in a pinch. You could put a guy on the field that who's you not don't good want enough. on the field. Yeah, I mean, I, just, I understand what you're saying. He's experienced, right? Experience does not always mean. It only gets you so far. Honestly. Good. I always remember this. It was a Purdue coach. I think it was Tiller. And it was like in the, in the preseason and people mm-hmm. were talking about like, Oh, returning starters. And he was like, let me tell you, just because a guy you have returning starters doesn't mean you have good starters. You know, it's you like, didn't well, have a better option. it's like, I, I, I wish, I wish we had people who were taking their jobs. We don't have anybody to take the job at Ohio state at Ohio state. There is always somebody ready to take your job. And it is what makes the great players great because it keeps you on edge. It forces you to work. You cannot rest on only talent at Ohio State because somebody almost as talented and maybe working harder is right up your butt. But I think once they make a move, there are not many chances. There are not many times when Ohio State's like, well, I guess we have to play this guy, right? Ohio State is a want-to-play place. They got 22 guys every week that they want to start. They don't have 22 guys. They don't have like seven of them. It's like, well, we have 15 we want to play, and we have seven we have to start. I mean, how many schools in the Big Ten? Nathan, at Purdue, Jeff Brom's kind of going like, all right, I got eight. I got 14 others that I got to start. I like my top eight, right? At Ohio State, man, they like their top 40. So if you're not getting it done, like it's somebody's coming – and then usually it's over for you. And listen, like Isaiah Pryor, I think it might start for Notre Dame this year. I know Isaiah Pryor went pro. Wait, no. Yeah, he did. No. He Brendan White went pro. Brendan White Isaiah went pro. Yeah, Isaiah Isaiah Pryor is still there, I think. And uh, yeah, you're right. Yes, he'll probably be but the starting role, safety. But I, I mean, I, it's not a criticism that they're not a good player. It is a reality check of once you have it at Ohio State, if you let it go, not by injury, right? If you let it go by performance, it's almost certainly over. Yeah. You can't give any reason for them to take you off the field. Because the guy coming in behind you, guess what? He's going to be good. And he might be an All-American. You know, I mean, it's just like, you know, Justin Zwick let it go, and Troy never gave it back. (laughs) Troy won the Heisman. That's the perfect example. You let it go here, the guy behind you might go win the Heisman. So, I mean, I, I, it's, I'm not trying – I got fired up about it, but it's just the idea of, like, that's why nobody's picking Marcus Hooker because Ohio State's not going to pick Marcus Hooker. And you know what? That's Marcus Hooker's point, always yeah. going to have it in his life. You know what Marcus Hooker's going to have in his life that, that I don't have and Nathan doesn't have and Steven doesn't have and the people listening to this don't have? He has the ability to say, I started for Ohio State. I was an Ohio State starting football player. Holy smokes. What an achievement. We're just three chuckleheads on a podcast. So we're not comparing Marcus Hooker to the greatest, greater population of the world. We're comparing him to the 85 guys on scholarship at Ohio State, and I think, it's, I think there's going to be somebody else in those spots. I think, it's, I think you're probably right. I will say that we, we had heard that it was trending in that direction. That was coming up towards the Michigan State game, and then Proctor wasn't available for Michigan State. Hooker played against Michigan State, played better, I thought, and then the injury happened, although that was a different kind of team. They weren't challenging Ohio State downfield. So there's, that's why I'm leaving that sliver open. Then I don't know that his – I mean, he may not be a starter in the future, but I'm not writing off his having some contribution 
in some way down the line. But I didn't pick him. None of us picked him um, on our draft. I'm going to watch your texts. Um, those of you actually who probably have gotten it by the time you hear this. I'm going to text out these teams that each of us drafted. We want your vote on who drafted. Uh, I guess I'll send it out through the survey so then you can vote on it and see the teams and rank them in the order because that's the order that we'll use to decide who picks first the next time we do one of these. We're kicking around some ideas this afternoon between recordings about what we might do. The next one might be kind of nonsensical. We think it could be fun. Yeah. Uh, desert Island. Who would you take on a, on a desert island and draft the people on your desert island? My wife, Stephen, by the way, brought up the point that probably Drake and Rihanna on your island are just like going to go off into the probably. trees together and probably. you're going to be left by yourself. Probably. Anyway. But don't we all have that danger? On like, <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. Are. Honestly, no. is, what they, here's my requirement for them. So Drake and Rihanna, if you're listening to this pod, for some random reason in your life, um, here's what you guys can do. You can start the party. You can leave all that fun with me. And then you guys can go do whatever it is famous people do, but just leave the fun around me. So then I'm not wondering, hey, where did my island partners go? One-man party. Steven Means, the one-man party. Yeah. He's good. But who am I kidding? Captain America and Angela Bassett are going off. They're to. leaving you. They're not. I mean, what am I? I'm going to be like, Mom. And Captain America is going to be like, she looked good to me. I'm out of here, man. So, Mom. But we might do it. So it won't, be a, it won't be a desert island draft. But I like, the Nathan, the idea of a nonsense draft, I think, is, I think is good. There is a portion of this audience, as, as things continue, there is a portion of the audience that is like, ugh, nonsense. And it's like, oh, tell me when you guys are drafting French fries and I'm out. I'll hit the skip button. I'll delete slide left and dump that one right in the trash. Um, but other people like it. Yeah, and we will let people know when that's coming up. But I think that might be the direction we're steering in for the next one because we also don't want to do a football draft every week because then we're kind of getting a little bit repetitive too. There's only so many ways that we can draft this team and have it be new and fresh each week. But I think we found a way to make this one new and fresh to talk about some guys in a new way and give us some perspective on what this team has going into the spring. So thanks to those of you who listened today. Thanks to those of you who sent in your teams. I really appreciate it. It definitely helped us today. And uh, try the text, 614-350-3315. Spring's coming up. NFL Draft is coming up. We'll hopefully have more news coming in on, on all those realms to share with you. But for today, I'm Nathan Baird. For Stephen Means and for Doug Lee Maurice, that was Buckeye Talk.